Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Happy Monday. It's going to be, uh, <laughs> watch out when you're getting dressed this morning. It's going to be nuts. we got a uh, high wind warning in effect for all Hawaiian islands. Gusts up to 60, scattered thunderstorms today. Careful when you're driving out there. It is the Sports Animals time here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, top stories we're looking at over the weekend. University of Hawaii football got a few more verbal commits. Yeah, and they sound like good ones once again. I love this. Cam Stone is a cornerback slash return specialist. Played at Wyoming, played against Hawaii this year. Looks like one of the better cornerbacks in the country by some of the numbers, or a least amount of numbers against him, like touchdowns and yards. He just did a really good job, had a pick six among his interceptions this year. But he played against Hawaii, let up three catches for only nine yards, runs a 4-3-8. That is one of the things that stood out to me the most as far as his numbers. And uh, he's buying into Hawaii. He said uh, Abraham Illamimian was a big reason for him determining to come here. Loves what Timmy Chang is doing. And uh, welcome aboard Cam Stone. Love that. All right. So Cam Stone is a bona fide starter in the Mountain West. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. So what about the uh, Kansas uh, wide receiver, Stephen McBride? What do we know about him? Well, he's from Kansas. Obviously, we, we know I that. Obviously I know that. Yeah. What else? Did he play at all? I don't. I can't see if I can't see if he played much there. He didn't have much uh, many numbers there. I'm trying to find his numbers from earlier, but uh, the fact that he was at a Power Five school and with Kansas being a good team this year, I think that just says something right there that you're getting players from a Power Five school. Uh, doesn't see. I don't see any of his numbers or stats listed yet. Uh, but again, just getting somebody like that, I think, is pretty good. And I've heard. I just read somewhere, maybe somebody on social media commenting about his speed as well. He has two receptions for 23 yards. That's why. Okay, so not a guy playing, but they they were a good team this year, remember, as well. So Sure, sure. Uh, Okay, so we don't know much about McBride. That's great news about Cam Stone. Um, uh, Any other players? I got a a freshman coming in out of high school from Utah, 6'6", 240. Zoran, oh, I can't read my writing, Patello is a guy that uh, is a, a hard commit, they say, to University of Hawaii football. You don't know much about him, but Wednesday we'll get these signings official. Uh, and I, I think it's good that we're getting a lot of players committing in advance. Again, the early signing period, to me, and I think a lot of people we've talked to, we'll have Ben Kirchival on next hour talking about it, is way more critical than the February signing period now, where when the early signing period started, not a lot of players were signing early on. Now it's become, again, the main 
deal with only three days allowed every year, but you don't want to be left without the player you want. The player doesn't want to be left without the school he wants. So you're going to see a lot of commits coming in. I like the fact that we're seeing a couple of transfers. I know last year we had transfers coming in, some of them from Power 5 schools as well. I, I'm glad they're getting these commits early, especially when a team struggled the way they did. I wondered how that would work. And, you know, again, everybody's coming here for a reason. Now, there were rumors that Melky Stovall's brother, uh, who played at Nevada with Timmy Chang, was going to maybe come here on a visit. He already is committing to Arizona State. Of who? Melquan Stovall is the brother of Melky Stovall, who used to play at Hawaii and transferred out. Thank you. Okay. But he's already committing to Arizona State, according to reports. By the way, Nick Mardner entered the transfer portal as well. Haven't heard anything about him, but well, he hasn't played. He doesn't play hardly. Actually, he played. He scored about. I bet he scored a good four or five touchdowns for them. He didn't get more than two or three catches a game in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. that's not what he's. That's not. I mean, yeah. maybe that's not what he's uh, used to. But you, I, I saw a list last night of the players uh, coming back, and there's still a lot of players who were either played significantly for Hawaii last year or on the roster last year coming back. It's going to be so different than last year when we had 53 new players commit. Yeah, Nick Mardner, uh, twelve receptions, two touchdowns. I can see why he's transferring. Yeah, wow. I can see why he's transferring. Well, maybe he can transfer back to Hawaii. There huh? was, you know, he was here for the spring game. Remember on Island Day back in April, and there was talk that he was interested. Once he realized uh, one of the reasons he left uh, was gone as far as the coaching staff. So you wonder if maybe he would want to come back. And I, there were rumors last spring that he did want to come back again. Um, I don't know how definite that was but a lot of there were more than a few people talking about that that he was really interested all right so he's a senior so he's going to just he's looking to play somewhere else as a super senior using his yeah. covid year yeah yeah the right well, yeah yeah so all right uh congratulations the uh texas uh lady longhorns win the uh women's volleyball national championship three local ladies on that team how about that that's pretty cool i mean we have hawaii connections on a lot of the teams that made the tournament this year pittsburgh and nebraska had connections and uh texas it seems like they've won this more recently but the last time they won it i believe was 2012 which wasn't really that long ago and i believe they swept louisville in this as well so louisville a team that's not usually in the final four in volleyball but texas has been so right so congratulations there. to a uh, freshman devin kaha Hawaii from Kamehameha. Also sophomore, uh, Keone Lay. Oh, I'm sorry, Keone Lay. I can't read my right. Oh, Akana. Sorry. <laughs> Such a hard last name. Keone Lay Akana from Kamehameha. She's a sophomore. And senior setter Sage Ka'aha Aina Torres. We all know her from Iolani, a great uh, prep career here. Uh, in the ILH, but congratulations to those three ladies. And I believe Akana is the sister of Braylon Akana, son, I mean son, daughter of Brandon Akana and Jocelyn Robbins. Right, she transferred from Nebraska and uh, ended up at um, Texas, and she wins a national championship. Way to go. In the NFL, what a wild weekend it was. First of all, Tua Tonga-Vailoa proves that he can play in the cold. That's the good news. Uh, especially because of the division you play in. But at the same time, he, is, uh, he has not won a game where it's been under 50 degrees. That's a little troublesome. I mean, it was close. It wasn't his fault. But at the same time, he's got to win in these cold-weather games. 
I didn't realize that number there with that temperature. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if anybody ever had any doubt of him playing, I remember mentioning this last week. I'm not sure if you were that was the day you were back or not, but a lot of these players they say, well, they can't play in cold weather. They have to prove it because he's in Miami, he's from Hawaii. They play in cold weather games throughout the years. Even at Alabama, he played in cold weather games. It's not like this is so new and unique to him and some of the other players on Miami. And I don't think that it doesn't seem like that bothered them and was the reason they lost. Even though the weather was kind of fun to watch, I wish it was snowing more, but. Yeah, I mean, he, he gave Miami the chance. I mean, the fact that the way they came back in that game and took that lead, I mean, he was throwing some really, really nice passes in this game once again. Even though his completion percentage was just a little over 50, I, I thought he had a pretty good game. Not a great game, but a good game. Yeah. Um, completion percentage, uh, you can't just look at the numbers. You don't know what happened in the game. I mean, how many drops there were, how many times he had to throw the, the ball away. You know, you look at somebody like Desmond Ritter who started for the Falcons in place of Mar- Marcus Mariota. And has, has Marcus Mariota surfaced? No, not no, not at all. No word, no mentioning. And yet the more the story I, comes into play, I'm agreeing with what you said Friday about him, which was that this is kind of on Marcus. Which you can tell the audience. What did I say? Which is kind of on Marcus. And I, 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 maybe, maybe I'm just you know feeling bad for him and kind of saying that you know people don't know him, but – yeah, this is the story. The more I thought of it after you brought it up on Friday's show, you got to, you do have to blame Marcus a little for this. For if he oh, is I'm not, not blaming, fault, what? that's not what I said at all. You said this is on him. Is exactly what you no, said. That, no, that no. What I'm saying is, and I didn't say this is on him because I don't really use that kind of phrase. It could be Marcus Mariota saying, "You know what? I'm upset. You have a conservative offense, and you blame me for it. I'm gone." No, but what you brought and, up, on and, and I have no problem. I have no problem with Marcus Mariota for at least once in his life thinking about himself. You brought up how about thinking about the team and mentoring the rookie? Yeah, I, I think he should be there mentoring the rookie. That's that's he should be. But at the same time, I understand if you're Mister Nice Guy for the last I don't know how many years, and you know maybe what is it just turned around and bit you in the butt. I think I think I think he he deserves some of the criticism going his way, and I'm surprised there hasn't been anything on his end as far as being publicly, yeah. but being public by his agent or him. Yeah, nothing's being public. <laughs> nothing's been made public by his agent. I know that's the strange part. Yeah. Wouldn't his if there was something if it was no big deal, wouldn't somebody speak up? You would think. You would definitely think so by now. Especially. And it's been a number of days that he hasn't. But anyway, what I was getting at was Desmond Ritter is um, Desmond Ritter, I think he was 13 of 26, something like that. Yeah. But you know what? He was leading that team, uh, and I thought he played pretty well. I didn't see the entire game. I saw, um, I guess, mostly just highlights. Maybe I saw some bits and pieces of extended highlights on the NFL Network. But at the same time, um, you got to remember that this is first game in the NFL, and if he's putting up similar numbers to Marcus Mariota, who's it's not his first game, um, I thought Ritter looked pretty good. So in other words, what I'm getting at is you can't tell that by just looking at numbers. How many times did he have to throw the ball away as they're getting close, right? But then Stop you do that with clock, every quarterback. Kind of if you're looking sure. at the numbers. No, I know. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying all quarterbacks. You can't look at sheer numbers when we're talking about the success of uh, a quarterback showing. But from all, you know, from what they're saying, Desmond Ritter looked okay. 
I'm not sure if okay is good enough. This is a team that still, even after the loss yesterday, had the chance to make the playoffs. And with a win yesterday, they would have been tied for first place. And I'm not saying that market would have been the guy to get that win yesterday, uh, but they're they're in playoff contention, which is crazy to think of at five and nine, and it's only <laughs> yeah. for the division title. They're not although technically they could get a wild card, but I don't think that's going to happen. But there's a three-way tie for second place there, and Atlanta is one of those teams. Uh, New and Tampa Bay has not broken away from anybody with all the opportunities they had, including yesterday's game. Yeah, and Atlanta what has a team at- Baltimore next week, which if Lamar Jackson's not there, Baltimore's pretty beatable. But I, I, I wouldn't think of the no, playoffs. No, 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 no. I don't believe that at all. The Baltimore, they, what's his name? Huntley, the yeah, backup Tyler quarterback. Huntley. Tyler Huntley. He's, you know, he's. He's more than a capable backup quarterback. But he, I like how they actually went out and got a quarterback that has the same type of skill set as Lamar Jackson to be the backup. Then they don't have to change a whole bunch. They scored three points on Sun, on Saturday. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think he did anything significant there. I think I think in the overall picture, he's. I'm not going off of just the last game. I'm going off of him as a uh, as a starter when he's had to come in and start in the NFL. He's done fine. I think it's fine. Wow. What stood out to you, Gary, uh, over the weekend? Well, Because there was a lot. There was a lot. I mean, some of the bowl games on Saturday, but what really stood out for me was the Minnesota-Indianapolis game, the first game on Saturday in the NFL. And it was one of the craziest weekends maybe ever because the week before when Baker Mayfield did what he did, that was something I said I'll never see again, the whole story on that. Then this past weekend you have more drama, more stories, and the Indianapolis Colts, uh, first of all, if you had their defense in fantasy, they got over 31 points, but nobody had them in our league. Uh, but, boy, they had that lead, and that game was over at halftime. I was with a few people that said, there's no way. It's a Minnesota Vikings fan. There's no way they're coming back. And of course, everybody would feel that way. What I do feel bad for, in a way, I know there were fans who left that stadium early because you're down 33 nothing. Oh, you're sure. constantly down in Minnesota. That comeback, Kirk Cousins, who did not look good in the first half, 460 yards, and the way they came back in that game, you could kind of sense in the fourth quarter at a certain point that they had the momentum, maybe that this was going to be a miracle. And we saw a history there. So that's what stood out to start the NFL action. Cleveland game was fun just because of the snow. There was no offense. And then the Buffalo game just had a lot of drama. Boy, that um, Josh Allen touchdown, the two-point conversion, excuse me, it looked like it was a fumble live, and you'll see the replay. Yes, he barely broke the plane, so it was a good call. Although I thought the official did have some uh, unneeded, unnecessary controversy yesterday in the game. One of them was that Raiders game, which also <laughs> had the most unbelievable ending I have ever seen in a game. I'm waiting for the nickname to come out. Josh McDaniel said there will be a nickname for that game. Uh, I they think said Miracle Mo- at Sin City. Something like what that. Yeah. that. That's what they're calling it at ESPN is Miracle I, at Sin I mean, City. How, just something you would see like in a movie. Like the longest yard would have a play like that. Not in real life. Not in the NFL. And the point also about that game is that when the Raiders scored that game-tying touchdown with 32 seconds left from I think, Keegan Cole or Keenan Cole, uh, he was out of bounds. <laughs> And they went to review, and I like the explanation, at least, where they said it was, even if it was an incomplete pass, they wouldn't overturn it. The camera angles couldn't show either way if they should change the play. So you go with the original call of touchdown. But I thought it was kind of clear. The original call? 
Well, the call with, original call was touchdown. They did not change it. They gave him the touchdown. Right, right, right. No, no, no. You said original play. I was confused a little oh. bit. So the original, they couldn't change the original call because they, it wasn't definite, right? It wasn't because conclusive, the but angle? there was one angle where it really looked like his foot was on that line. Uh-huh. I didn't think it was even that close. But still, to have that comeback with Chandler Jones got the best Christmas gift he could probably <laughs> ever get. Uh, it was his third career touchdown I read, too. But, Jacoby, my, you're, you're in a tie game. If you're trailing, you do the lateral play. And Stevenson's partly to blame as well, even though his one went to Jacoby Meyer and wasn't fumbled. What do you? And Bill Belichick said after the game in very few words, as Bill would do, that wasn't what they called for. They were not calling for a lateral play because you're tied. What, what, what do you think you're going to run it back 50 yards through 10 or 11 right. people? They were they were going to run it just run the ball up the middle and time can expire and then they go into uh, then they go into uh, overtime. That yeah. was obviously the call because they just did a running play up the middle. You know, now the guy broke it for 20 something yards <laughs> and then they got greedy. I, you know I, what? I, I wonder with the way Bill Belichick is because it's documented that he's done this in the past. You make a big mistake like that, you're off the team. I, exactly. I'm waiting on Twitter to see when I, he will be waived to Kobe Myers. And I'm not sure if he will, but I wouldn't be shocked if he is. That, yeah. that, could, that could cost him the playoffs. They, If they win that game yesterday, at this point of the season, every game is so critical. They're 8-6 and six and tied with Miami for second place. They're a wild card team Who's if they win yesterday. New England. No, they're seven and seven, Gary. I said if they win that game, oh. they're eight and six. Yeah. So what a di- and they're tied with Miami. They are one of the wild cards. They'd be tied with the Chargers. Yeah. Now you're in a logjam with with the Jets, uh, and you have Las Vegas right behind them. Cleveland's only a game in back of them. Jacksonville's only a game in back of them. I love that <laughs> so many teams have a chance, but New England. Bill Belichick had to be incredibly livid after that game to lose a game that way to Josh McDaniel of all people. I'll bet there's something he will – probably one of his worst losses ever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. that If you're looking at the playoff picture now, Buffalo – the Buffalo Bills have clinched, right? They're 11-3. Yes. and three. The Cincinnati Bengals have not clinched yet because the Ravens are just a game back. Um, the AFC South is really a race between Jacksonville and Tennessee. Kansas City has clinched in the AFC. So it's it, – Really, you got the Bills, you got the Ravens, you got the Bengals, and you got the Chiefs. And it's everyone else is just like, you know, under 500, at 500, close to 500. It's, um, it, it, I don't know, the AFC is uh, kind of off this year. And I guess you could say the same thing for the NFC. Yeah, but I mean, and it's great that a lot of teams have a chance. But again, just going back to New England for a second, Chris, that loss could have cost them the playoffs when you really break it down. Now, we'll see how it plays out. But, again, they just had such a better chance otherwise. Yeah. All right. Mark Adams uh, covers the San Francisco 49ers for 49ers Web Zone. He's going to join us uh, coming up next. Hey, we got the really big road show uh, coming up December 21st. That's Wednesday from 3 to 6 p.m. at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Uh, live on-location guests include uh, Kupono Fay. Also, uh, U.S. Open and uh, champion and U.H. Uh, golf coach Scott Simpson's going to join us and a lot more. We've got prizes to give away. You can choose from 100 taps, and Heineken Dos Equis are on special, too. Super Ono Pupu, so come on down and join us Wednesday at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu.
Christmas. Gary Dickman with Chris Hart talking a lot of football here on ESPN. We're going to continue it now. We're not forgetting about last Thursday's game when the San Francisco 49ers clinched the NFC West. Joining us now via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN. Honolulu, he's a writer covering the 49ers for the 49erswebzone.com. Mark Adams back with us. Mark, I'll start with just two words. Brock Purdy, who saw this coming? Unbelievable performance for him. And another start. Yeah, I don't know that anybody saw that coming. I did hear Larry Kruger talking about him back in August uh, during the, the preseason and during training camp. But even then, I thought, well, hopefully the kid will be a great number three, but sure didn't expect to see him do what he's been doing lately. Larry was on our show in August and brought that up as well. I kind of remembered that only <laughs> when he started having these performances. Now, one thing I want to understand, maybe you can elaborate a little, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, at first they said definitely out for the year in the playoffs. Then there was talk that he could be back for the playoffs. First of all, health-wise, have you heard anything as far as him maybe coming back? No, and really the injury is one that wouldn't normally allow him to, to be out. You know, there was – the report that made or the rumor that maybe he would come back in the postseason. Then there was a conflicting rumor that he wouldn't be back. So it's hard to determine, you know, is the team putting out one of those uh, bits of information and Garoppolo's agents putting out the other bit of information. So it's hard to say, but I still am skeptical that he's going to be able to return. They have Washington coming up, then the Raiders, and then Arizona. Three winnable games. The Raiders is the only road game. Even if he was healthy, though, with I mean, if Brock Purdy continues to win, is he their guy going to the playoffs? Yeah, you, you have to think that he is, because even if Garoppolo were to come back, I believe that when they were talking about the possibility of it happening, it was going to be like around the week of the NFC Championship. So at that point, do you want Brock Purdy, who's been playing and hopefully at that point has been playing well? Because really, if the team is in the NFC Championship, then Brock Purdy has been playing well. So if you would, would you rather have that guy or would you rather have the guy who's been out with an injury for a while and, and is probably rusty? Because when Garoppolo came in for Trey Lance at the beginning of the season, he was pretty rusty for, I, I would say, two or three weeks. Remember that he had a little bit of a slow start. We're talking San Francisco 49ers football. Our guest is Mark Adams from the 49erswebzone.com. You can follow him on Twitter at 49ers Camelot. The other question, I guess, and that Trey Lance guy you mentioned, who we haven't really heard a lot about in a few months, what do they do next year? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I would imagine, depending on how this plays out, I mean, if he comes back and somehow wins the Super Bowl, it's different, but he's probably not going to be with the 49ers. Would that be fair to say? And you think Brock Purdy would get an honest chance being the last player taken in the draft over the number two player taken in the draft when Trey Lance is finally healthy? Yeah, you know, if they were winning just based on defense and running game and Brock Purdy is just along for the ride, then I think probably it's still Trey Lance's job to lose. But the way that Purdy's been playing, if he continues to play that way, then I think that there will definitely be a competition. I don't believe Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be back because he's going to want to be a starter. He's going to want to be paid like a starter. And I don't think the 49ers are going to be in a situation they can pay him because they're going to be paying Nick Bosa this offseason, and he's going to, he's going to bring in a king's ransom. Then you have to factor in some of the rumors like, 
like does is Tom Brady still wanting to come to San Francisco? Is Aaron Rodgers still wanting to come to San Francisco? I read that yesterday. Wow. Uh, that Aaron Rodgers is wanting to. So if those things are true and the 49ers front office has Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers say, we want to come play for you, man, it's, it's hard to pass on guys like that. Yeah, I guess if you have those guys, even though they haven't had their best years, especially Aaron Rodgers, Christian McCaffrey, Mark, comes over at the trade deadline, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised at what he's done for the Niners, although he did it so quickly and pretty consistently, but he wasn't putting up those numbers this year with Carolina. How was he able to achieve the success he's had with the Niners in a half a season? Well, he has a better supporting cast, for one thing, and he has Kyle Shanahan calling his plays. So that's that's been the big thing. But I think that Shanahan whose dad was the, the 49ers offensive coordinator when they last won a Super Bowl, who had Ricky Waters, and then came from that system that Bill Walsh built. And Walsh used Roger Craig in this way. Mike Shanahan used Ricky Waters in this way. And so Kyle is just using uh, Christian McCaffrey in the same way as a running back, but even more so as a receiver out of the backfield. He's lined him up wide. He's put him in the slot. He's been all over the place, and those are the same things that Bill Walsh did with Roger Craig. Mark, you mentioned Nick Bosa, who's up for a new contract on a defense that's allowing just 15 points a game. Unbelievable. You think he could end up being the highest-paid defensive player in the league? Yeah, I think so, and he probably deserves to be. He's just playing out of his mind, and he's already uh, as talented and as experienced and as gifted as he is. He's already you know, up in the upper echelon and right now he's playing as well or as better better than any. I mean, he leads the NFL in sacks and really all the other pass rushing categories. If you, if you take a look at those, he's number one in all of those and he missed a game. So he's playing on one game less than some of the other guys that he's up there with. And yet he still leads. Incredible storyline going on with the 49ers all season long, mainly at the quarterback position, but also at running back and on defense. I'm sure they're going to be playing at least deep into January. Mark, thanks again for joining us. Hopefully we'll keep in touch and do it again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, appreciate that. Mark Adams, he is with the uh, 49ers, covering 49ers for 49erswebzone.com. Check him out on Twitter again at 49ers Camelot as he joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers to the 49ers? Well, I would say it's fair to say Jimmy G's not going to come back because of the money he might want and the fact that, you know, they didn't really want him this year. But, I don't. I mean, if you have a chance to get one of those guys and you're close to winning a Super Bowl, if you win a Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, would you do that? Probably. That sounds crazy, but probably not. If you don't win a got, Super Bowl this year, would you? I got two words for you. Russell Wilson. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. The stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Savior's birth So no word on the whereabouts yet of Marcus Mariota. Has anyone seen Marcus Mariota? Where's Marcus Mariota? No, that, that's really strange to have all that silence. Yeah. Uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa with three losses in a row now. Now, what are they saying about Tua Tonga-Vailoa? 
Are, are you have some people who are saying, "See, I told you he's not the quarterback of the future for the Dolphins." They got romped by the 49ers and lost one uh, one score games to the uh, Chargers and the Bills. I mean, the Bills, you know, they they had to kick a field goal at the end of the game, but it is what it is. I mean, you've lost three games in a row. But this is a big but, especially in the Buffalo game. That's not where he lost it at all. I thought he did so much to give them a chance to get to have that win, have that lead. And so if you're going to blame anybody, I blame the Miami Dolphins defense for that game. That was not on to it all. He did, I think he was one of the stars of the game, if not their best star. The running game wasn't there. 50 yards rushing, I believe, in that game. Uh, Hill didn't have much of a game either, but it was not on well, to it. I think it. Wilson got hurt. Cedric Wilson? Oh, Jeff Wilson got hurt. I think you're right about that. Cedric Wilson had one nice catch in the second half, and that's it. The other games, though, yeah, they're playing good teams, and they haven't been able to win. And I, one thing, I don't know about this past Saturday, but his quarterback rank, uh, rating three games in a row went down and down and down before Sunday, before Saturday, excuse me. I don't mm-hmm. know what it was on Saturday. So that is, It was 104, 104 one, on Saturday. Go, continue to go down then. So that's not too bad. Uh, it, just Miami struggling. They hope they're obviously trying to make the playoffs now. I forget about the division, obviously. But right. that loss really puts them in a log jam at the wild card spot where you would have thought, and I know I said how good they were. I should a month ago, I picked you said Miami. There were, you said they were a playoff team. And Not only still that. still could be. You said they were one of the best teams in the AFC. I said a month ago, Miami and Kansas City, the teams I see in the AFC championship game. Yeah, right. I did say that. And, and you said that when they played the Bears, the Lions, the Steelers, the Browns, and the Texans. What so a now you're row. playing the 49ers, the Chargers, <laughs> and the Bills. Good news. They've got the Packers coming up. Along with the Patriots and the Jets, you know, the the Packers should be a winnable game for the Miami Dolphins. They have just way too many, they have way too much talent, and um, the, the Packers' defense is junk. But yeah. those those division games against the Patriots and Jets, I mean, it could come down to the last game of the season. It, it probably will. You know what, I think they'll just, I don't know if they'll destroy the Jets. They'll beat the Jets, whether it's Zach Wilson or Mike White or Joe Flacco or Vinny Testaverde. They're going to beat the Jets in that game. The Jets are just a mess right now. They really are. Really? The oh, defense they, is a mess? No, not, not as much the defense as the lack of offense. More than the defense. Although the well, defense on yeah. that touchdown by Detroit at the end, I got a good idea. We know they need a touchdown to win. If you're not in the prevent, how about we make sure we're covering these guys? I mean, I was, you know, the tight end who scored that. How do you let a guy like that run past four defenders, basically, and score? That, that, was it 50-something yards, whatever? That was ridiculous. Mm. Uh, but their offense is nothing right now. They missed Brees Hall. And they need a quarterback still. They need a real quarterback. Zach Wilson didn't have an awful game. But going back to Miami, uh, that again, they're not going to win the division. Now Buffalo clinched at least a tie, so you forget about that. Miami's right. just trying to hold on for that wild card right now. Right. And the Patriots looked like they were turning a corner. That loss yesterday, again, just <laughs> could cost them their season. I think a lot of people are enjoying that. I, I just love seeing Bill Belichick at the postgame uh, press conference. He looks like he just you love seeing best... him squirm. Oh, yeah. He did not look comfortable at all. (laughs) I hope Miami can straighten this out. Now, right now, today, if you're asking me who I think the top two teams in the AFC are, it's definitely Kansas City. And I might go back to Buffalo. Remember, Buffalo was struggling. They had lost to the Jets. They lost to Minnesota at home and blew blew a big lead. They're kind of turning it around the last couple of weeks. But they were struggling for a while when Josh Allen was hurt. 
Uh, but I did think Miami was that team. But now I'm thinking Kansas yeah. City has been the most consistent. They were struggling, but they were still winning. There's a difference. Oh, Buffalo. Well, Buffalo lost two out of three games, and that for them that was a lot. After you know, not only losing one before that, you know, the, the Jets when game. They, they lost to the Jets and Vikings by three, and then they beat the Browns. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, but yeah, but they blew that game against Minnesota. They had that big lead and lost it at home. The Jets game. <laughs> uh, I know Josh Allen wasn't 100 percent in that game. In a surprisingly similar 33 to 30 score, they lose to the Vikings. Wow. The, uh, I'm talking about Jeff Saturday. Is Jeff Saturday now? Is this Jeff Saturday's fault? The Colts giving up. Poor Matt Ryan. I mean, he has the. <laughs> he's part of the uh, the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. I mean, the biggest flop in Super Bowl history, and then now he's a part. He's on the losing end of the biggest comeback in NFL history. <laughs> down thirty three to. Not, you know, but my point is, I guess, is what I wanted to get out today is that. It's not all on the quarterback. We blame too much on the quarterback. You said it yourself with Tua Tonga-Vailoa a few minutes ago. He had a good game. Um, you know, granted, he's playing in snow, so nobody statistically is going to look great, right? Yeah. In that, well, I take that back. Josh Allen did. Josh Allen was unbelievable. He had a quarterback rating of 119. Four touchdowns, 77 yards rushing, 300-something yards passing. Besides Josh Allen, because I guess he's used to it now by yes. playing in this stuff in Buffalo, it's tough to look good in weather conditions like that. But do we put too much emphasis on – do we blame the quarterback too much for a loss? To, in to other me. words, people are going to blame Tua Tonga-Vailoa because you've had people on either side of the fence. You've had supporters – and you've had um, you've had naysayers, so you've had critics of Tua Tagovailoa, and they seem to just like almost be waiting for something like this to happen. Aha! You see, we told you he's not the quarterback of the future. But you know what? Give him an offensive. You know, <laughs> because he's got the weapons. We don't look at like his lack of the lack of the, the running game isn't great, and their offensive line still isn't great. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the running game, but has been he's got some sure. of the best weapons in the NFL. He's got the best receiving tandem, or at least the fastest in the NFL. Why can't you win with that, Tua? You're just right saying what other people are saying. There were people on social media saying exactly how you started that. We told you so, basically. And again, I don't know. Oh, really? Many, yeah. I mean, they're probably just fans, but there were more than one or two like that. Not overwhelming, but I did see that. But to me, when you say, do we put too much blame on the quarterback? Most of the time, because if you're Dak Prescott and throws that pick six yesterday, yeah, you blame that loss on Dak Prescott. If you're looking at Buffalo, Miami, how could anybody in their right mind blame Tua for that loss? There's no way anybody should do that. It depends on the situation. If you're throwing a pick six, that's a big difference from, you know, struggling against one of the better offenses in the NFL. That's on the defense that should lose the game. But the quarterback, everybody knows. You can't name a lot of uh, defensive players on Miami, these people, so they're going to blame the quarterback. Tua wasn't that reason. I mean, they scored 29 points. You score 29 points, you're going to win more games than you lose in the NFL. I mean, look at, look at Tampa. They're averaging 15 points a game. Right around there. The Rams are averaging 15 points a game. Both of those teams, I think Tampa's 17, actually. That's one of the reasons you're losing games. You have no offense. Miami has an offense. It wasn't, again, for an off game because of the weather, they scored 29 points. Give Tua credit for that, I feel. And I'm trying not to be biased when I say that. He had a good game. It wasn't one of his best, 
but he's not the reason they, they're having this, these struggles. They're playing really good teams, and the defense can't stop these teams like the Niners a couple of weeks ago, and the Chargers, as it turns out. Yeah, they struggled. They struggled, struggled in the first quarter. They struggled in the fourth quarter uh, of that game. But 17 of 30, 234 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I'll take that. It's just the problem is you're playing the Buffalo Bills. Right, right. So that's on the defense then for letting up those points and letting those last two touchdowns um, near the end of the game. Well, the last two scores, at least. The one was a field goal to win the game at the end. But mm-hmm. the defense kind of let them down. And Josh Allen is that good. So I'm not blaming their defense. I'm not putting down their defense. But if anything, I'd blame them for the loss more than the QB. All right, we got uh, Monday Night Football. Ooh, look, Monday Night Football. It's two of the most disappointing teams <laughs> in the NFL. The 5-8 and eight Green Bay Packers against the 4-9 and nine Los Angeles Rams. You can catch that game on our sister station, CBS 1500. Uh, the broadcast starts at 2.30 this afternoon here on ESPN Honolulu. We are going to check your traffic again. Uh, we do have a high wind warning for all Hawaiian islands. Winds 20 to 30 miles per hour with gusts. Get this, up to 60. Wow. Tie down the small farm animals. Uh, <laughs> scattered thunderstorms today. It's going to be a mess. So uh, dress accordingly and drive safely. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Great NFL weekend, it really was. And I, I love the fact that, again, there was just so much drama and so many games over the weekend, so many great plays. And to get this late in the season where so many teams have a chance for the playoffs, even that Giants-Redskins game, I'm going to bring up one point in that game. I mentioned a little earlier how the referees, I thought, had a couple of plays where they messed up. One of them right. was a Raiders game. I'll get you know remind everybody about that touchdown, the last touchdown before the Chandler Jones TD. But Terry McLaurin is the receiver for the Redskins. You might have, I'm sure, a lot of people. Scary heard Terry. Of play. Scary Terry. Commanders. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Scary Terry. They're go. They're down twenty to twelve. Less than a minute left, and you see on the replay where he does what every receiver pretty much does: a signal to the referee, is he you know onside? Is he not offside? Not lined up over the line of scrimmage, over the ball? And the referee at first tells him to move back, gives the signal to move back a little bit. He moves back a step or two, and then he asks him again. He reaches out. I don't know if the referee nodded, but he didn't tell him to move or anything. And as soon as the ball is snapped, the referee blows the flag, or throws the flag. And they scored on that. The touchdown was taken back, and we know that the you know commanders never got in the game. That game that could cost them a playoff spot. Although today they would be the last team in the playoffs, but that loss could cost them in the long run. And wh- I'd like to hear the referee's explanation on that, because Terry McLaurin explained that pretty much what I said, and said he didn't want to get fined, but he couldn't believe the referee called that penalty on him after asking the referee that. And that was just bizarre. I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like that either. Okay, so he asked the referee, am I good? And the referee said, move back a little. Yes. And then he snapped. Well, obviously, he didn't move back enough. But he asked a second time. And the and referee the, said what? He, well, he wouldn't know what he said, but he didn't outside. He never, he never signaled move back or anything. It looked like it was the all good sign because if you're all good, the referee will either nod or not do anything. If, you, if you're not good, he'll tell you to move. And the referee blew the flag immediately. McLaurin said he told him he was good. I forget exactly oh, okay. how he phrased it. Well, if that's but the case, that's that was pretty incredible. bad. It's like it's, it's, 
John Morant was um, questioning <laughs> the integrity of a referee. That might get into the integrity of the referee on the NFL side. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Flag. Yeah, I mean, those were, they were kind of comparable with what John Morant went through talking with a fan and getting ejected. Uh, sometimes referees screw up, and I, even in that situation, I think it's the same thing for Washington. They don't want to admit they were that wrong, so they just have to stick with their bad call. I'll bet that happens more often than we realize, because you know what—you can't change a call after the play. The replay can, but I don't think you ever really want to admit you're wrong. You might admit later on that you know you blew the perfect game for the Detroit Tigers how many years ago, but at the time you're not going to say anything. You got to stick with the original call because of your integrity as an official, an umpire, a referee. But for the uh, commander, that was that was sad. I mean, they still had to get a two-point conversion. And they def- then they would have been tied. No telling if they would have won that game. But it was kind of taken away from them. Um, just And, again, with the New England uh, Raiders game, even though everybody's talking about the stupid play that Chandler Jones picked up. and uh, <laughs> Stephen scored- A. says it's possibly the dumbest play in NFL history. <laughs> I would, wouldn't you agree? I mean, you see that in a movie, in a comedy movie. You maybe see it with kids playing. You don't see that. I don't. You don't see that anything like that in the NFL. I mean, I saw a list yesterday, and I'll try to pull it up of some of the most incredible plays in NFL history. Uh, Joe Pasarczyk handing off the ball instead of taking a knee. Herman Edwards picking it up. Fumble recovery. Eagles beat the Giants. Leon. Right, but Joe Pasarczyk, he wasn't doing that on his own. He was doing what was he was instructed to do. He wasn't instructed to fumble. he was no, but he was. That wasn't a stupid play. That was. This was a stupid play. This was a stupid decision. A decision was made first of all by the first runner, and then by the second guy. So th- those are two stupid decisions right there. Yes. Joe Pisarczyk handed off the ball because coach told him to hand off the ball. It was one of the most infamous plays in NFL history. It was a sure. stupid play. You can blame the coaching staff who got fired. I think the OC got fired that next day. Uh, and But also there was a fumble that Leon let, letting up of the ball before he got in the end zone. I think it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. It was one of the holiday games uh, where he was running for a touchdown, defensive touchdown for the Cowboys way back when in the 90s, I guess. And he dropped the ball, as we see every now and then, before he crossed the goal line. And uh, He didn't was, drop the ball? Well, he, he, yeah, he thought he was across the goal line. He no, he didn't. In. Don Beebe came rushing from behind and hit it out of his elbow. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, well, you held the ball out too early. That's what it was. Okay, okay. Uh, there's another one or two in there. One of them is DJ Moore, and I tried to look it up saying he was involved in one of the most incredible stupid plays in NFL history, and I don't know what it is, but it was listed on something that I read on Twitter as well. I want to get into we had uh, the, immaculate, the, the history of the Immaculate Reception is coming up uh, next weekend with the Steelers playing the Ravers, Ravers <laughs> the Ravens. <laughs> but we had kind of an Immaculate Reception yesterday. Did you see that? That's what they say. I don't know if I'd like to compare it, though. Wait, I don't wait. I'm trying to think of what game it was. It's the Raiders game is what they're saying. Chandler Jones is something. No, no, no. That's not an immaculate reception. I know, but they're calling it. No, 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 no. There was a game that was tipped. Oh, it was the Cowboys game, I think. Yeah. The Cowboys game where that last pass was tipped or it it bounced in and out of the arms of the receiver and the other, uh, the Jacksonville player, got the interception, the ball a few inches off of the ground, it was like the Immaculate Reception. Now, the Immaculate Reception was a playoff game. There was more at stake. But anyway, that was just so many things yesterday. We'll be back with top stories coming up next. And there won't be snow in Africa. 
careful, it's going to be stormy today. Scattered thunderstorms throughout today. It's going to be super windy, too. Be careful out there. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. We're the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Our top stories we're following. Uh, number one, Tua Tonga-Vailoa in a loss, though he proves he can play in the cold. Yes, he could have, if there were any doubters, and there shouldn't have been. I think he proved them wrong, even in that loss. And to me, again, he was the reason Miami had a chance to win that game. It did have a late lead. Yeah. Um, the, the You've heard of Where's Waldo. We're playing a game today. Where is Marcus Mariota? We haven't heard from his agent. We haven't heard from a, you know people around the team. All we heard was that he left the team, and uh, we haven't seen him since. Yeah, really a strange story. Even though he's on IR and there was no word of him having knee issues before that, before he went AWOL apparently, uh, now that comes up. He wasn't listed on the injury report previously either. So that also is pretty strange, knowing that he's got some procedures or work being done on his knee. He's not with the team. We haven't heard anything. And if he was hurting, why wasn't he on the injury report? Yeah, well, his coach has mentioned Arthur Smith, the head coach for the Falcons, uh, says he is slated to have surgery on his knee next week. Uh, that came out last Wednesday, so that's just the latest. Um, but it's interesting that we haven't heard, and if he's not listed on their roster, that's very strange. It is, but again, even if you're on IR, you're still on the team, or you're listed at the bottom where it says IR. Right, right, right. And, and the fact that if, if he was hurting, this didn't just happen because they, they, the last time they played was a couple of weeks ago now. They had the bye week, remember. So why wasn't he listed on the injury report then? It almost it also ties into that as well. Maybe because he's on IR? But, you st- but when he played in his last game, I mean, you wouldn't think he got hurt since his last game. So if he was hurt in the last during the last game, why wasn't he listed? I don't. There was no note of him being hurt in that last game before the bye week. So that again, that's kind of strange, right there. Like, were they? In other words, you, you're not. You're supposed to be honest when you fill out the injury report. Just ask Bill Belichick. But it almost looks like maybe they weren't by not listing him like like that. Maybe they don't want teams to know if he was indeed hurting in the knee back then. And apparently he was if he's having surgery done next week because he hasn't played since then. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we're perusing the internet. Um, actually, I got on ESPN.com. They actually list Marcus Mariota. Uh, on their roster for the team. They don't have them on IR or anything like that, but that's not an official That's not an official ro- uh, roster. Yeah, I haven't seen his name like in the transaction. Sometimes you'll see when somebody's put on IR, whether it's the ESPN ticker or sometimes in the paper they'll have the transactions. I haven't seen anything. I usually look to see well, the familiar names. if you're having knee surgery with three games left, <laughs> it'd be safe but, to say that it's, you're on IR, right? Yeah, yeah, true, true. All right. Strange situation uh, for sure. All right, Texas wins the Women's Volleyball National Championship. Uh, three local ladies on the team. Congratulations to freshman Devin Kaha-Havai from Kamehameha, sophomore Kioni Le-Akana from Kamehameha, and uh, senior setter Sage Ka'aha. I- <laughs> We've seen her name so much. Sage Ka'aha Aina Torres from Iolani. Uh, congratulations, ladies. I never thought of Texas being like a volleyball power, you know, back, not really back in the day, but maybe 15, 20 years ago. It used to be mostly the West Coast teams, warm weather states, so I guess it kind of is warm there. But uh, 
they, they they've been good for a while. They've been I don't know how many Final Fours they've been. Remember they had um, Daryl Gabriel's daughter was on the team last year. I think she took a leave this year. So a big Hawaii connection there for Texas volleyball, definitely. All right, and uh, let's bring in Tanner Hayworth. Update us on recruiting for University of Hawaii football. So coming up Wednesday, the early signing period begins, December twenty first through the December uh, through December twenty third. Now, I know we started the show with Kansas wide receiver Stephen McBride entering the transfer portal, uh, and also uh, Cam, is it Cam Stone? Cam Stone, yet the corner. Cam Stone from the uh, Wyoming, who was a starter for the Cowpokes. Uh, What else are we looking at, Tanner? So what we're looking at, if uh, as we all know, these are all still verbal commits, so we don't know whether or not they will flip or not. But if everything stays in place and all these guys who are verbal commits sign on, Wednesday, we're looking at an early signing period class of about 20. And when you compare that to 2021, where it was nine, and then retroactively turned to eight because Jagosier Anusium uh, flipped to Colorado State uh, after Uh, early signing period due to uh, our coach leaving. Uh, So you look at a plus 12 compared to last year, and looking at our losses from the transfer portal, which is about seven or eight guys, we're increasing by 20 here with seven high school recruits, four JUCO guys, um, six transfer portal, uh, six guys through the transfer portal, sorry about that, as well as three gray shirts. And if you don't know what a gray shirt is, it's a guy that like basically committed last year, but they're signing for this year. It's It's a method that a lot of college coaches use and – it basically boosts the next year's class. So the three guys from last year, uh, Malakai Teo from Modern Day, Lester Lysene Langafuaina from American Samoa, and Makana Meyer from Mililani, those three guys committed last year, but they will count towards this year's class. And we're not done yet. There's still a couple of days before early signing period, as well as a lot of guys who have committed but have kept silent about it uh, because maybe they just don't have a very huge um access to you know social media but like you said Stephen mcbride cam stone being the two guys that are the most recent signees uh and when you look at it through the high school route another guy who i think is going to be big the most recent guy is caleb jackson carter the offensive tackle from desert edge in arizona so a lot of excitement going on and hopefully this will be good for the brotherhood as they head into spring season and earlier spring season start the normal. Yeah. Last year you remember Timmy Chang got a late start to everything. So we have like seven or eight guys enter the transfer portal. You say this year, probably about eight, nine guys, but a lot of them, it's kind of like the normal transfer portal stuff. Now it's just the guys who just want more playing time. You know, you guys right. like your Connor Oppose, your Cam Coopers, I think our biggest loss from the transfer portal is probably Dior Scott because by the end of the year, he became one of our more uh, guys we could depend on on the punt return because he was one of the few guys that could actually, you know, catch the punt without fumbling it. Uh, we, Of course, the last two years, we've had a lot of issues kind of trying to find a guy who can catch those punts really consistently. So it's sad to see him go. But like I said, if you have an incoming class of 20 for early signing period, I think that's more than a successful job by Timmy Chang and crew. 
Right on. Thank you, Tanner. It's uh, 10 minutes after the hour here on ESPN Honolulu. A couple of things, just to follow up with Tanner, was saying one thing about spring practice, remember, it's really early. I believe the earliest start date they've had is February 6th, which is barely very early. I'm not sure the exact reasoning for that. Also, I saw the news last night, Malik Hausman tried to get a medical red shirt to return to Hawaii, and it was not granted. So uh, he is entering the NFL draft, and he, he wished everybody uh, – Good wish, well wishes, and just thanked everybody in Hawaii for everything. Also thanked people in Arizona, but he will be missed. Would have been great to have him back yeah, next year, but he's a good uh, player. He they did not give him that extra year, unfortunately. Ah, bummer. He was a good player, though. Yes, uh, that was a good one. All right, uh, our uh, text line is open. Uh, you can call in as well at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. And uh, this texter says, "I've said this to guys before." For years, Detroit is a team that you don't want to see at the end of the season, especially if they're at home. <laughs> well, the, I, you know, they are a team that you would want to see at the end of the season because it's a guaranteed win. Stop it. So you say that you've been saying that for years. I mean, I can understand if you've been saying it for months. <laughs> but for years, where were you? I mean, or now weeks. it happens and you're backing it up from four years ago when they weren't that good. But this is a great story this year, really. I said the other it, day, I think they're going to make the playoffs. It is a great story. And I think a lot of people are rooting for the Lions. Yep. You know, Jared Goff, who's, you know, they're like, oh, let's get rid of him. You, you took us to the Super Bowl. Let's get rid of you and get uh, no, he did not take him to a Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, he was on the team when they lost the Super Bowl to New England. Lost his Super Bowl. So let's get rid of him and get an upgrade to Matthew Stafford. But look at Matthew Stafford's play this year compared to uh, Jared Goff's. When he was Big healthy, difference. he wasn't that good. Yeah, Jared Goff has totally outplayed him this year. I'm glad for Goff because I thought he was you know, kind of washed up in a way. This is a great story. And I think they, can, they play Carolina this week. They should win that game. Uh, let's see. Oh, the head. We were talking about the uh, ladies. The head coach of Texas played for UH. Who's the head coach of Texas volleyball? Um, that's interesting. Why don't you look that up? You're a I good will. looker upper. I have, I have this somewhere in front of me. Here we go. Uh, here's the text, Gary. It was the Super Bowl and not a Thanksgiving or Christmas Eve game between the Bills and Cowboys when BB knocked the game uh, from Leon Lett. Wow, that was the Super Bowl, huh? That's true. Okay. Okay, Daryl Gabriel's daughter was the starting center for Texas last year. They were a Final Four team last year. She transferred to UNLV in the transfer portal after last year. Don't know why, because Texas had a good team coming back. Could it be because this year's starter, um, Ka'a'aina Torres from Iolani, uh, transferred in? Huh. We got good volleyball uh, text. Thank you, guys. Here's another text. We're talking about Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota and his wife had a baby last week. Actually, uh, Marcus Mariota's wife had a baby two weeks ago. Right. So that doesn't – he's likely on maternity leave from the team. NFL quarterbacks, I've never heard of an NFL quarterback getting maternity leave. That doesn't happen. <laughs> happens in baseball. Sorry. It does happen in baseball. Really? You can, get, you can get three – I think it's three days off. I remember David Wright pitch. Yeah, it happens in baseball. Yeah, but again, says, one, I've never pick, heard one, of an NFL quarterback getting maternity. No, leave. no, no, no. I mean, in baseball, you get because if one player leaves for three days, it's not going to devastate your team. In football, right. it could devastate your team. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so Marcus is uh, slated to have knee surgery, and that's where he really is, I guess. All right, it's uh, seven fourteen with the sports animals. Now, coming up in a few minutes, Ben Kerchival from CBS Sports is going to join us, and uh, he covers NCAA football and a really 
unfortunately, they are they introduced a bill that is going to make Army star linebacker Andre Carter II ineligible to play football. Some people see him as a first-round draft choice. Others see him as a second-round draft choice. But he could be – there's a bunch of guys in the NFL now who played for Army, and they got the exception that uh, President Trump put in a couple of years ago that lets you uh, defer your military service till after your playing career is done. Except now President Biden, it's on his desk for uh, signature – they're going to rescind that and take that back and say that no, if you're a if you play for the Army, Navy, or Air Force, you need to it, you you cannot obtain employment, including as a professional athlete, until after the cadet's commission service obligation. That obligation is, according to the Army, five years of active duty and three years in individual ready reserve. That's um. Five years? I thought it was only four. Maybe for officers coming out of uh, West Point, it's five years. Because if you just sign up for the Army, you got a four-year commitment. Right. And the Marine Corps is the only one that has the five-year commitment. But anyway, um, unfortunate. You know, he could have left. Because after two years, you can leave. You just have to pay them back. So it's a big bill that you're going to have to pay. So he could have left, but he said, you know, you know what? I'm going to stay loyal to the Army. I'm going to stay loyal to West Point. I want to play in the NFL, but I'm going to go this route and play in the NFL and then go back to military service. And now, I mean, you can imagine what the poor kid is going through. Now the rug pulled out from underneath him as they're saying, yeah, no, rules have changed. You can't you can't play NFL football. You can't play pro football anymore. And like I said, there's a number of players in the NFL. It's like four or five. That went to army. Right, right. So it's really, it's really just a sad, sad situation. That it's, it's like a political thing. It doesn't make sense to me. There's, you know, you look back at guys like David Robinson going to the NBA, Napoleon Callum, uh, playing in the, uh, playing for the Raiders, I believe, uh, in the NFL. Right, right. And these guys, but I mean, these guys are great representatives of the academies. If I'm the new coach at Navy, by the way, they, they hired their defensive coordinator. If I'm the new coach at Navy, maybe it hurts your recruiting now, whereas before maybe it didn't. You see, Andre Carter II always wanted to play in the NFL. He always wanted to be an NFLer. And he could have done it by going to Army and done what these other players have done. And now it's all gone. If he was chosen 22nd in the draft, it would have made like $15 million. Last week, I know you were gone. Last week we had Quinn, uh, Quinn Moretzky, the Punahou kicker, who was on the Army team, kicked the game-winning field goal against Navy. And one of the things we asked him about was about the commitment. And it wasn't so much about going to the NFL, but it was just he was just mentioning that when you sign up, you know what you're signing up for, that you do have a commitment. Now, there were rules in play where you could play the NFL or NBA or whatever sport. Right. But I, I, he also mentioned, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And those were the rules. That's what That's yeah. what Andre Carter signed up for. But I'm, I'm signing up because I can still play in the NFL and go to Army, and they changed the rules. So if yeah. the Punahou kid, the kicker, says, you know what you signed up for, and like I said, after a couple of years, you can leave. You just have a big bill you got to pay. you got to pay that, him back. Yeah, but if he left and he's making $15 million, eh, it's pretty easy to pay that back. 
Are you paying like a normal scholarship amount or something even greater? Do you know? I have no idea. But it's a it's a big bill that you're going to owe somebody money if you leave after two years, which you can. But he chose to stay loyal. That's the whole thing that makes it such a hard rub for the guy. I'm going to stay loyal. I'm going to play, you know, Army. I'm there for you. I'm going to be an officer in the Army after my NFL career. And President Biden's like, nah. They should grandfather that in. Not for people who are already on the roster, already in school or at the academy, I mean. Yeah, they should. Uh, 808-296-1420. Here's a question somebody has. How long was David Robinson in the Navy before playing in the NBA? He was allowed to leave. I remember, I believe he left after a junior year, if I'm not mistaken. And one of the the things, he was actually too tall for a submarine, but because kind of what you were saying earlier because they knew about his pro potential uh i remember they had the yeah the ncaa tournament they had a big upset win it became a big deal and he was out i'm not sure if he had a petition or how it worked but he i don't believe he was in the navy more than his college career would have been i don't think he was in there over the three or four years mm. all right uh we have a guest coming up next we'll talk more college uh football with ben kirchival he's on the way here on ESPN Honolulu. Remember now, we got a high wind warning for all Hawaiian islands. Here on Oahu, winds 20 to 30 today with gusts up to 60. Also scattered thunderstorms today as well. So keep dry and keep safe. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. ESPN Honolulu. And CBS 1500, your home for college bowl games. In fact, uh, tomorrow we've got the Liberty in Toledo in the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. We've got the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl with Western Kentucky and South Alabama on Wednesday on CBS 1500. And then Saturday, of course, it's the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, Middle Tennessee against san diego state let's talk some college football yeah we're going to continue the college football talk as we are joined now via the aloha kia hotline on espn honolulu he's an editor at cbssports.com covering college basketball and college football ben kircher will back with us ben chris was just mentioning some of the bowl games coming up this week and on twitter saturday besides being very active you were singling out a few bowl games including the lending tree bowl uh you said it was really enjoyable for some reason uh, yeah, maybe Frank Gore having the best individual <laughs> bowl game ever. Frank Gore Jr., by the way, although it wouldn't be surprising if Frank Gore Jr.'s father stepped out on the football field and absolutely dominated. Um, he's been, it's, it's still like Frank Gore Jr. has been at Southern Miss for like 15 years. He's been there for three, I think. And he's just, he's been an absolute player for him. He's just, he, you know, he's two inches, three inches short to be in the SEC. I mean, that's, that's why he's at Southern Miss. He's just a little bit too short. But I think he's one of those guys that obviously he's shown over the course of three seasons that if he wanted to level up in the transfer portal and, and get a crack at Power 5 football on a weekly basis, I, I think he would get that shot, and I think he'd have some success. But in the meantime, watching him run all over Rice's defense was pretty fun 329 yards i mean i just wonder i mean obviously it improves his stock whether he wants to go to the nfl or another team would it could a game like that really power him to either one and do you think there might be actual genuine interest even though he has a lack of size as you said 
Well, I mean, it would be based on his whole body of work. I mean, it's not like Frank Gore Jr. did nothing for three years and all of a sudden he popped off three three bills in a bowl game against Rice. I mean, he's been doing it for a while. Obviously, level of, of competition will be taken into consideration, but uh, you know, the, the skills that he possesses really translate across every level of football. I mean, he has great shiftiness. Even though he's not a big guy, he's not afraid to run in between the tackles. Um, I, I think just based on his his breakaway speed, uh, the shiftiness that he has, and his built-in toughness. I mean, I think someone would take a chance on if he wanted to leave. I'm, I'm sort of pontificating out there with really no real reason to indicate that he's going to leave Southern Miss. I'm just in the event that he would decide to. You also tweeted on Saturday about Jake Hayner and the game he had for Fresno State, even though Jordan Mims, mm-hmm. another great uh, performance for the running back, 209 yards rushing. But Jake yeah. Hayner is another quarterback you were mentioning. Well, Jake Hayner is for any for anyone who's sick enough to like watch one a.m. football after like a whole day. Mm-hmm. Jake Hayner was the beacon at of light, and like in the middle <laughs> of the night, because he was. If for anyone who watched the UCLA game last year, and his career spans more than that, but if you watched the UCLA game last year, and if I recall correctly, it was right after the Bruins had beaten LSU. They had a little bit of mojo going for him. And then Jake Hayner, who's listed at six foot two hundred pounds, what do, what do you actually think he is? Five ten, one eighty five. Like I mean, he's just, <laughs> right? I mean, he's super small, but just like defines guts, like the the BYOG, bring your own guts, just absolutely tearing people's hearts out at one a.m. Working on like one broken leg and like maybe a punctured lung. I mean, like the dude. <laughs> plays through absolutely everything he's not an nfl caliber player but my goodness college football is going to miss jake hayner yeah he sure was good we saw him against hawaii several times over the last few years ben kirchival from cbssports.com joining us here on espn honolulu 92.7 fm at 1420 a.m i want to get your opinion on some coaching moves one of them Deion sanders at colorado what are your thoughts on that it's the first time that we'll be talking about colorado since uh, mid two thousands. Um, I mean, that program is in shambles, and there's apathy. There's a lack of resource. Previously, before they agreed to hire Dion, there was a, a lack of resources for the program. wasn't a lot of uh, care put into it, and the results on the field showed. I mean, they were the, I would say, the worst Power Five program easily in the country. They were certainly bottom two or three programs in the FBS. Uh, considering 30 years ago they had, or whatever, 30, 40 years ago, had a national championship and then a Heisman winner. And so for Dion, it just it instantly gets them talking. And, and one of the things that you kind of see with Colorado is they hire Dion and they'll kind of ask the questions later. Like they had a real strict transfer policy, which is why they wouldn't get a lot of players coming into the transfer portal. And they go, oh, yeah, we've, we've sort of magically eased that uh, to allow more players to come in. Obviously, Sanders' uh, kids are going to be coming into the portal. Uh, Travis Hunter announced that he's going to be transferring maybe to Colorado. And then on top of that, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't have the money right now for Dion, but we'll, we'll get it. Like, they're clearly like working behind the scenes to try to make all this stuff happen. I don't know if it'll work out there, but at least people are talking about Colorado football, which is something that hasn't happened in a long time. Ben Kirchival from CBSSports.com with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. I've always had this question. Why 
it doesn't make sense to me why Colorado has been so bad. I mean, it seems like a place that a lot of recruits would want to go live for four years. <laughs> I, you say that, I don't know. And, I mean, I, I'm 35. In, in my time, I remember Colorado being good. Uh, I remember the atmosphere that they used to have. Um, you know, I think Ralphie is, like, the best Slash, like running onto the field of like any epic. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in Boulder, but if you're like a 35 year old white guy, of course that's what I'm going to think. Like if you're some 18 year old recruit, that that pageantry may not be interesting to you. And if they haven't shown as an administration that they care about the state of the football program, you know their facilities. I think we're getting behind there for a while. Um, they were just blowing through coaches. I mean. Those yeah. are all things that just over time make a place really undesirable. And I've always I feel that a bad hire or a string of bad hires sets you way further back faster than a good hire propels you forward. Interesting. You know, a couple of weeks ago also, Ben, we heard the news about Kenny Niamatololo from Hawaii not being oh, retained yeah. by Navy. And it wasn't so much that he wasn't kept. It was how the athletic director did it, right in the locker room, right after the overtime loss to Navy. Uh, what did you think of that situation? Well, <laughs> there's been some blood. There's been a little bit of bad blood, I think, between the AD and Ken Niamatololo for oh, – because the, the athletic director – and I, I want to be very clear. I'm pulling this from memory, so this might not be 100% correct. But if, if I recall, the AD was, like, involved or tried to get the offensive coordinator fired there, yes. I think maybe two or three years ago. And I, he, I think he brought him back on staff and some other – the point being is there's been a little bit of, I think, tension mounting there for a while. You know, I'm – Certainly, I don't think the, the way they did it was all that great. But I know that 15 years in one spot is like two and a half lifetimes nowadays <laughs> for coaches to be, in, to be in one spot. Obviously, a lot of success, but it was clearly getting stale there over the past few years. Mm. I mean, great, great coach and, and, and all that, but it's probably time to make a change. Yeah, just how it was done, I think it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, including yeah. Kenny, obviously, before he told the ESPN. Sure. Got playoffs coming up in a few weeks. College football bowl season just underway. Ben, thanks again for spending a few minutes with us talking college football. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, you bet. You guys have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas right to you and your family as well. And thank you, Ben. Ben Kercheval from CBSSports.com joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. See ya in a Kia. Ivan Jasper, was he the offensive coordinator? Yes. Or That's was who he was the... talking about. Yes, oh, okay. Ivan so Jasper. he was talking about uh, Hawaii's uh, former Hawaii football player, Ivan Jasper, who's been there. Gosh, has he been there as long as um, Kenny Niamatololo? Right. And we, I remember the stories about the AD not liking him either. This was after he went to a big deal with his son, had a heart. I'm not sure if it was a heart transplant or a really serious heart situation. And just the AD just seems like the guy you wouldn't want as your AD. I guess that's one way of putting it. Firing a guy right after an overtime loss in the locker well, room. Well, you already lost the uh, what some people would consider the biggest, of course, the biggest game of their year, right? It's Ohio yeah. State, Michigan, Army, Navy. Exactly. You're feeling horrible, and this guy comes in and goes, oh, by the way, you're fired. Really? Couldn't wait till Sunday. You, you couldn't wait till Monday. Yeah. You couldn't wait till Monday. While everyone's cleaning their stuff out. Really bad move. Really bad move. And for Kenny to say that to ESPN, basically just like that, 
I mean, he, he even asked for one more year just to finish out his contract. You won't have to fire me. I'll resign. And the AD wouldn't even grant him that. I mean, I know they had a couple of tough years. They did. Three losing seasons in a row. Still, the way you did it is, I think, the worst part of it than just doing it. Yeah. Uh, Ivan Jasper, I believe, is the uh, quarterback's coach. Um, yeah, he was the offensive uh, coordinator before. But uh, lately, I guess, and I'm going off of Wikipedia, so it's, you know, who knows. But um, hopefully Ivan Jasper will still have a job. I don't know if, you know, if everybody, you know, usually the coaching staff that's there, since the head coach is the defensive coordinator, and he's done very well, by the way, as far as as his defense, the Navy's defense has been very good, that I wonder if he retains more guys than usual. I would think that's how it works, right, if you're hiring from within. I would think you're going to retain a several several coaches from that staff, yes. And, you know, I mean, are you going to change the offense, I guess, is the big question. No, they're Probably not. not. Probably no, not they're not. Navy. They, yeah. They've already said they're not changing the offense. It's going to be the wishbone, whatever thing they the option. Option. Yeah, they should. They should because of everything involved with, you know, what you're going to get in the Navy or the Army. Uh, well, and also that's who all your players have been, you know, that's what uh, you're going to change the offense now. That doesn't make sense. Right, right. So uh, you wonder if maybe Ivan Jasper would be a good fit just on that alone. Yeah, it's uh, 7.35 this morning here on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to check your surf, and it's been big uh, lately. Uh, we do. It's probably a mess today, though, because it's super windy. Gusts up to 60 miles per hour today. Scattered thunderstorms. Look out for the brown water. Just, uh Everybody just, just stay in bed. Just stay in bed. That would be, that would be my off. advice. Take, <laughs> take the day off. Take a personal day. Yeah. Hey, I uh, want to let you know it's day seven of our uh, Kalikimaka giveaway. You can head to ESPN Honolulu's Instagram page for your chance to win an awesome baseball bat and glove for the new year, courtesy of Sports Stand Sporting Goods. It's beautiful here in the 96701, but uh, we've got uh, the high winds at different uh, places, scattered thunderstorms today, uh, power outage in, uh, you say Waimanalo, Tanner? Waimanalo, about 1,500 people in Nalo, in God's country, without electricity. So that's the kind where you go home, you, you go to work, and then you come home and everything's flashing. Your oven, <laughs> your clock radio, and stuff like that, right? Yes. One of those days or two, that's for sure. That lightning and thunder last night, boy, it was pretty constant, that's for sure. Very, very cool. Hey, uh, congratulations to Argentina. They beat France. Uh, they won the World Cup. They were so happy. Did you see them after? <laughs> I saw some of those they celebrations. They were crying. Tears of joy. <laughs> Don't cry for me, Argentina. Uh, that was pretty amazing. I guess that they said it was the third, I believe it's the third of the last four World Cups that went to penalty kicks. Oh, wow. Which is as dramatic as you'd want it to be, I guess. But that was amazing. Somebody tweeted out, somebody who covers the NFL saying, yeah, the World Cup was pretty dramatic, but the Cowboys, um, I mean, not the Cowboys, the Raiders-Patriots game was a little bit more dramatic than that, um, which it might have been. But, yeah, the World Cup, I didn't really watch a lot of it down the stretch, but uh, it is that big of a deal. I wish they could have it back in the summer, and they, I'm sure they will next time, so it can have the spotlight more to themselves. Don't cry for me, Argentina. What have you ever heard mean? of that song? No, when is it from like the '60s or something? I think Madonna, Madonna uh, made it famous. She recorded that. 
Madonna didn't make Don't Cry For Me Argentina yeah, she, a hit. She did in the movie, uh, the Da Vida, about... It um, wasn't a hit. It wasn't a hit. Oh, I'm not sure how uh, much Believe me, I, I, I programmed music at radio stations leading up to this gig. So it was not a well, hit. That explains a lot. <laughs> explains a lot of what... That I know more than you when it comes to music. <laughs> you think Kiss is a very successful group? They are very successful. You can't about, talk about that. I don't know. Very good. Uh, all right, let's move on yeah. here. It's uh, 7.43 with the sports animals here. But, yeah, uh, congratulations. Ar- Argentina wins the World Cup. I tell you what, it's time for a Life Matters moment from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. We talk about things that bring us good news and positive things when it comes to our Life Matters moments. I don't know if you heard about this, but a family dog is being hailed as a hero after protecting uh, two sisters, aged seven and four. You see, in Louisiana, they wandered into the woods near their home uh, with their golden retriever named Artemis. Huh? Remember Artemis? No. Artemis Gordon. Remember Artemis Gordon? No. <laughs> the Wild Wild West. Great oh. movie, great TV series. Anyway, they uh, moved. Near, you never saw it? You never saw that one with Will Smith, the Wild Wild West movie? Anyway, no. Art- they, uh, uh, their retriever named Artemis. So police and family and neighbors were searching, I guess it's a six-acre property, for four hours, no luck. And, I mean, six acres, when you think about it, isn't that big. But uh, they couldn't find the kids. And then they heard Artemis barking. And when they found the dog... He was laying on top of the girls and protecting them from the elements. How's that? That's that's a great story. You hear about dogs doing things like that every now and then. That's dogs, man's best friend. Certainly is. So uh, we salute you, Golden Retriever Artemis, and that's our Life Matters moment from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union, where they say choose wisely because life matters. Uh, coming up, it's uh, Monday Night Football today. Packers and the Rams. How crazy was this NFL weekend? Now I look at this game and I say, eh, one team's four and nine, one team's five and eight. Who cares? But could there be some kind of some kind of boneheaded play like we saw at the end of the Raiders game? Or some kind of unbelievable comeback like we saw in the Colts game with the Minnesota Vikings? This weekend's not technically over yet. And so I'm kind of looking forward to see what's going to happen with the game. All right, we've got that and more coming up on ESPN Honolulu. And if you want to catch Monday Night Football, your new home for Monday Night Football is Dixie Grill in IAEA. You can go on by and catch the game. Score 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. they got complimentary popcorn and super Ono football-type poo-poo. And then from 7 to 9 after the game, you can win prizes because it's trivia night, too. It's very popular. Hosted by Geeks Who Drink. So put some south in your mouth and enjoy football at the same time with Dixie Grill in IAEA. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting a tingling too. It's lovely when they ride together with you. A lot of football stories that we've been mentioning. I want to bring up one. We talked a little bit about Justin Fields earlier. Yesterday he did uh, achieve the 1,000-yard mark for a rushing yard, which is incredible. He's the only only the third quarterback to ever do that. 
I thought there might have been a couple more. For some reason, I thought Colin Kaepernick might be on that list, but it's Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson are the only other two quarterbacks to do that. I know Justin Fields is on a team that's pretty bad right now. It's really something to see not only how he's being utilized, and how long it took the Bears. Of course, this is a different coaching regime than Matt Nagy from the last couple of years. But it's not his passing that is good. He's been a good passer at times. But his running, and he had that touchdown run again yesterday, his touchdown runs are unbelievable when you look at this, how he's able to escape, got quick feet, quick to the outside, whatever needs to be done, spin moves yesterday on that touchdown drive, really, really something. For him to be only the third quarterback to do that, is pretty amazing. I, and I know he's not going to get MVP votes, mainly because their team is so bad. But when you look at a guy who is that valuable and you really think about the word valuable, I think he should be considered, even though I don't think he'll be in the top three or four. Maybe he'll get a vote or two. This has been incredible for a guy who was considered washed up maybe going into October of this year. Not only want to say washed up, maybe a failure, a bust. He, he did not have success. And, again, they had maybe the worst, if not the worst, offensive line in the NFL's first couple of years. It's not a lot better now. And that's one of the reasons he's not able to pass the way he did in college. But his running ability has been incredible. And, you know, if you think about who is the best running quarterback you've ever seen, that's a tough one. I mean, to me, Michael Vick might have been that guy. Lamar Jackson would be a close second. It's not because those guys have the 1,000 yards. Although I'd put, I would put Colin Kaepernick on that list as well. And maybe, to me, Justin Fields would have to do it for a longer period of time. But what he's done this year has been yeah. – I mean, But Colin Kaepernick would have to do it for a longer period of time to me. He did it more than a year or two. It was probably like a three-year stretch where he had all those great numbers. Meh. Meh? Wow. I think that Randall Cunningham is one mm. of the greatest running quarterbacks of all time. No, I'm just looking at the talent he has. I mean, he does not up there with the stats. I mean, it was a different game back then, but yeah. I go Randall Cunningham 100%. And one of the things that bothers me about the 17-game schedule, not that it bothers me, is that you're going to compare records 5, 10 years, whatever from now, and that's a big difference. I mean, you still go back when you compare, let's say, some of the guys, let's say Fran Tarkenton. I know you're not a big fan, of, but he was a pretty good running quarterback. But if I don't know what his He was a scrambling quarterback. He wasn't a running quarterback. He was about 5'10", yeah. 165 pounds. He wasn't a runner. He was a scrambler. There's a difference. Good point, good point. But if you're going to compare anybody's numbers, it's two, not only that it's two different eras, it's also 14 games versus 16 games. Now you do it again with a 17th game, you're going to see numbers achieved by guys that wouldn't, I don't say wouldn't be possible, but wouldn't have been achieved, obviously, in 16 games. If Tyree Kill does manage to get 2,000 yards receiving this year, that's an amazing accomplishment. But he's doing it in an extra game. And I, when you look back on this years from now, I think you have to consider all that. And maybe we do it. We did it at the beginning of the 14 yeah. and 16 game scheduled, but I don't think we do it that much anymore. But there, right. they, that's a big difference, two games from back then and now even one game right now. But the, it, again, the, the, nobody back then is going to have 2,000 yards receiving in a season. They didn't play football that way. Your, the biggest stars in the NFL were your running backs. And they didn't, OJ did it with in a 14-game season, 2,000 yards rushing. That was rushing. That's different. Yeah. But those are your biggest stars. You're not going to have – I'm talking about receivers. You're, you're talk, we're talking about receivers here, right? I'm talking about any. Well, we're talking about receive. We're talking about actually. We're talking about Justin Fields and his running. But I'm talking generally with any record on either running back or receiver, because you're going to have that extra game. I mean, I use Tyree Kill as the example. 
I don't know if he still has a chance for seven uh, for 2,000 in 17 games. It might be a little off. I know he had under 100 on Saturday again, uh, but he Ooh, was on pace Justin for Fields? it. Ty- Tyreek Hill, as far as getting maybe 2,000 yards in the season. Oh. But, but you have to take those records or accomplishments, and you're going to have to remember to separate. Because if you're going to compare Tyreek Hill with maybe one of the greatest receiving seasons anybody's ever had, and he's getting, according to most people, MVP consideration, or at least was until a week or so ago. But he's gonna his numbers are gonna look whatever they look like in mid January, but it's gonna be after seventeen games compared to sixteen. Yeah, and but if that's comp- just that's just sports though. I mean a bunch of old guys sitting around with asterisks all the time. We're talking about NFL records now. We're not I don't hear anyone saying, Well, back then in nineteen seventy eight they played fourteen games and now we play sixteen games. It doesn't really come up anymore. It's well, just I just, kind I of said sports. That. Yeah. But I, but I think it will. I, th- I think it did at the beginning because that's a big difference. And I think it will when you look at anybody right now. If they're going to break a record or accomplish something, it's a big difference. And it, I, I mean, how do you compare it? If somebody breaks a record for most receiving yards, uh, how do you say it's the record when he did it in an extra game? I mean, people still say that about Aaron Judge, what he did to compare to what Roger Maris did compared to what Babe Ruth did. You know, it's eight extra games. It used to be 154. Now it's 162. Right. And, again, it's just one of the things I don't like about the 17-game schedule. I know you have to have it. There's really no way around it to make it look better or whatever. But And I don't think Tyreek Hill will get it. He was at 1480 uh, after Saturday. So I don't think he's going to get it, although he has a chance the way he catches balls. Well, yeah. I mean, they got an easier schedule coming. Well, I don't know. they got the Patriots – Couple of rivalry games with the Patriots and the Jets to finish out the season. So he'd have to average 170 a game, basically. Justin Jefferson, same thing. He's got 1500 exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, coming up next. Um, thoughts on MVP? Is it Patrick Mahomes, hands down? Is it Jalen Hurts, uh, giving him a little run for his money? How about Josh Allen? Who's who? Maybe Justin Jefferson? No, it's not going to happen because he's not a quarterback because what it has become is a quarterback award. But we'll get into that in our top stories coming up on ESPN Honolulu. This Christmas, and as I look around, your eyes are shining down the Happy Aloha Monday. Got some sprinkly dinklies coming down in the 96701. The wind is coming as well. It's going to be nuts today. A high wind warning for all Hawaiian islands. Winds 20 to 30. Uh, gusts up to 60. We've also got uh, power outages going on. So that's just going to be what kind of day it is. A uh, beautiful wintry Christmas uh, season day here. But, could be uh, Buffalo. Could be worse. Yeah, it could be. I even saw a report from one of the news outlets that says there's going to be hail. Yeah, now, would that, that be too. in Haleakala or something like that? Or, I mean, you know. Oahu. I, I don't think I've, I've never seen hail before. Oh, I've felt it. <laughs> it can be, it can hurt at times, depending on the size of it. But I read it for Oahu that we might get hail here today. Oahu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Our top headlines. Uh, congratulations to Texas winning the, uh, I was going to say, Wahine Volleyball National Championship. I guess technically it is. The women's volleyball national championship. I forgot to look up their coach, but uh, we say uh, congratulations. Uh, three local ladies, uh, senior setter Sage Ka'a'a Aina Torres from Iolani, 
Kioni Le Akana from Kamehameha and freshman Devin Kaha Havai. Kaha Havai from Kamehameha. And congratulations to them. And who's their head coach? Jarrett Elliott, whose names did not ring a bell as far as Hawaii, but Jarrett Elliott is their head coach. Yeah, somebody said their head coach. Maybe it was an assistant coach, but uh, yeah. Man, men's volleyball is coming up in less than a month. Yeah, I mean, they start on the 12th. Yeah, it's right around the corner. We're going to have Bob Coolen on this hour. Softball is less than two months away. Baseball as well. But, yeah, men's volleyball, two-time defending champions by the sound of that. That is really coming up soon. Just a few weeks away, right. as you said. Tanner Hayworth, jump in here, if you will, uh, and uh, give us an update on Rainbow Warrior football recruiting. Early signing day starts on Wednesday. Correct. And if everything goes well, if all of our verbal commits stay committed, it's looking like a 20-person class. Uh, the most recent guys we've seen is from Leighton Christian Academy in Utah, Zoram Patello, originally from American Samoa, uh, about 6'5", oh, wow. 240 kind of guy. His other offer was San Jose, I believe, so hopefully he stays on because, as we all know, we need a lot of good depth for our defensive yes. line. And as opposed, yes. And along with from the weekend – Two big transfer commits are Cam Stone from Wyoming. He was a starter for them last year, played a lot of really great minutes for them. We saw him a little bit uh, when Wyoming came down here earlier in the season, as well as Stephen McBride from Kansas. Um, he is expected to be kind of one of our you know fast wide receivers as we need to replace guys like Zion Bowens. It's another uh-huh. it's another room where we do need a little more depth because we have a lot of young guys. So hopefully his exper- his experience in the Big Twelve helps him a lot as he makes the uh, as he makes the transition to Hawaii. Is Jonah Pinocchi still eligible? Yeah, you know yes. I, I have a list of the receivers coming back. We actually have a lot of guys coming back who played last year: Pinocchi, Jalen Walthall, uh, Tamatoa Mokiao Atimalala, uh, Ko- Koali Nishigaya. Chucky Hines, Stephen Fiso coming back. Nick Senecal, who came on in the middle of the year, uh, had some yeah. eligibility things. But he, there's a lot of yeah. guys who played pretty good but minutes last year. But when you talk year. about Nishigaya, Stephen Fiso, and uh, somebody else you mentioned there, they, they they didn't have a big impact on well, the offense. Fiso was hurt I mean, most, getting, of most of the game. Most of the year, But if you're, the year before that, he wasn't a factor either. So – when you talk about Kowali Nishigaya, and it's great, he's in the run and shoot, and we have run and shoot concepts and all of that. But, you know, I mean, he didn't play that much. Still, he has. I think the fact that he's played in this offense and showed that he can that he can play in this offense and be a significant contributor. It wasn't like they how threw was, to him. How was he? A, how was he a, con, a, a significant because contributor? I don't. It's not like these guys are getting th- targeted eight times and making one catch. They're getting targeted three to five times a game. That's not on them. Everybody split. We saw that with the numbers last year. Besides Zion Bowen, then he didn't play the whole year. And even when he played, he wasn't getting targeted ten times a game. The, the, it was really split up amongst the receivers. There wasn't one guy who consistently was getting eight to ten targets. A lot of them were getting five to six. So the catches were pretty consistent and pretty even. It was a lot of guys. I mean, there was a couple of games where we had like eight or nine guys catch or pass. I don't, I don't think that's on any specific player saying he's not that good. He just wasn't targeted I'm a lot. not saying I didn't say he's not that good. I'm just saying he wasn't a major contributor. So when Tan, when you say to Tanner, oh, they've actually got a lot of guys coming back. Three of the guys 
were not much. They weren't really contributors. Well, Nishigaya was hurt. He was only in uniform but the last three or four games. Same with Fiso. He was injured. Seneca, right. again, came on late. And what I'm – yeah. And But Fiso has never been a big contributor, even when he wasn't hurt. I think when you look at this wide receiver room, you're looking yeah. at guys like a Nick Senecal, a Chuki Hines, an Alex Perry. They're all in that mm. six one six three crowd of being tall uh-huh. and fast. And obviously that's what this – coaching staff is really wanting you look at a guy Stephen mcbride i think he was listed what 6'1 170 uh the freshman alex perry is like 6'4 180 right. uh chuki hines is 6'1 62 they're obviously going for a uh what's the word i'm looking for they're looking at a specific character uh oh my god I can't, sorry, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting what the word is i'm not prototype Red zone but kind you of know, guys, prototype kind of guy you want the tall fast guy and we're talking about returning guys, Jonah Panoke and Jalen Walthall and Tamatoa Mokiao Atimolala. Those are the three guys that I see as the major uh, contributors returning because they saw a lot of good games. I remember Jalen Walthall had a bunch of amazing catches over the season. Jonah Panoke, when he was healthy, was a major contributor as right. a starting wide receiver. And kind of by the end of the year, Tamatoa Mokiao Atimolala was finally seeing some playing time in the second half as opposed to, you know, seeing a lot of success in the first two drives and then the rest of the game are wondering, where did Tama go? Yeah. All and right. so when you look at the rest of the guys, you like seeing guys like Kowali and Steven Fiso kind of make, you know, a couple of catches here and there. Fiso had a touchdown against San Jose in the last game of the season. But you want to see the development from guys like Nick Senecal, from guys like Alex Perry, Chuki Hines, even Pofele Ashlock, who we didn't see much of, who – you know, for all with for for what it's worth, he could have a year like Jalen Walthall did, where we saw none of him in his first year at UH, and then the next year we're wondering, oh, where did this guy come from? Because he's a big, tall, he's a tall, fast wide receiver from Texas. So I think that's what you're looking for. This room isn't that experienced, but there's a lot of really great potential from it. But that's going to be the issue: is are we going to be happy with just potential, or do we want to see the experience? like from guys like Pinoke, shine through as the season goes on. I think that, um, and, and you're right, Gary, most of the rec- I think all of the receivers average maybe two or three catches per game. But for guys like Caleb Phillips, who was all Mountain West, right, mm. or you're looking at wide receivers, Zion Bowens had almost 500 yards. He was the, you know, four touchdowns. But, um, yeah, guys like Jonah Pinoke and Jalen Walfel, uh, James Phillips, I mean, not – it, and I guess it's just our offense. They spread the the, the, the ball around a lot. Right. So when you're talking about, oh, look who's coming back, I think that uh, Stephen Fiso, by the way, I believe he was a tight end a couple of years ago. He was a couple now of years he's been ago. To, he's been converted to wide receiver. But when you're talking about the top guys returning on this team, Jonah Pinocchi, who I think should be targeted more, Jalen Walthall, and I'm going to throw in. Um, I'm going to throw in Mokiao Atimalala. I'm also going to throw in uh, Nick Senecal because he was coming up at least towards the end of the season. I mean, it's still how are we? He has eight receptions for 99 yards. So he didn't play the again, whole year. I understand that, but when we're saying he's coming up towards the end of the season and the last say six games or something like that, well, he's still not. He doesn't have a ton of output, but I guess that's 
kind of how they do at the University of Hawaii. They don't have an Ashley Lali, right? Yeah, right. And and when uh, Tanner's talking about the, the guys trying to get you know somebody with some size, it kind of seems to be, except for Nick Mardner, who was 6'6", and he was a great red zone threat. Your red zone threat would be somebody more like Caleb Phillips. Hawaii usually, because of Hawaii, what's that? Jordan Murray is supposed to be a little bit of that as well. Didn't really work out. Uh, I don't know if Jordan Murray was looked at as a red zone threat. A red zone threat is a guy I think they just wanted him to be a threat, which it it just didn't work out. It didn't, for whatever reason, and that's fine. Thank you for your service. But um, the Hawaii usually is that type of team that gets those fast guys but they're five eight, because if you're fast in six two, you're not playing in the Mountain West Conference usually. Right, right, right. And that's those are the you know your your Shannon Harris types of guys, <laughs> is the the types of guys you've gotten. I mean, we were lucky to have guys in two thousand seven like Jason Rivers, Ryan Grice Mullen. Uh, you even had um, uh, Devon Bess. He was undersized, yeah, if you will. But um, yeah, we we need. We definitely need some height, but it's not often we get that height at well, the University of Hawaii. Well, for the wide receivers, the one guy that I was very interested in seeing the development of last year, and he got in a couple of games, was Alex Berry, right. who is 6'5", 180, and right. he's only going to bulk up this summer because we've seen the effects of Coach Cook and his amazing job in the weight room. I think there's right. this a uh, really great photo of Peter Monoma. Uh, before the summer and after the summer, where he just looks absolutely just beefed up. So I can't wait to see a lot of the transformation photos we're going to see from this summer from a lot of these young guys. And if you can get so. and if you can get an Alex Perry to become a consistent starter at six five one seventy five, that's going right. to be, I think that's going to be deadly if he and Braden Shager can you know create some good chemistry as the year goes on. I I think that's that's just a lot of ifs. And hopefully he can fill out. I mean, most guys do. You'll see from their freshman year to sophomore year. I mean, they're just babies when they get here. And now you can uh, spend a lot more time in the weight room and you have better facilities than you did usually in high school, unless you're coming from Modern Day or Bishop Gorman or, you know, some of these (laughs) other places. But, yeah, that's that's pretty cool, though. I don't even remember Alex Perry. uh, He didn't play a lot. At all. He had one reception for 15 yards and one for four. But I like the size. Yeah, the size was good. like the size. See, my point basically was, I mean, even though these guys might not have shown a lot number-wise and even maybe in the level of play, at least you have a lot of experience there. It's not like you lose all these guys. from You lose Zion Bowens, who was the number one guy. But Jonah Pinocchi, I think, could have been that guy as well if he was healthier. But when healthy, as you said, and I think we all agree on that, he can be that kind of threat. Yeah. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the size, just, but boy, was he, he just, good last year. Well, he's probably at least six feet tall. Okay, Jonah okay. Pinocchi is not like five eight or anything, but no, he's no, but he's not guy, like Alex you, Perry or you know Caleb, you know Caleb Phillips tight end anyway. But he, you know he's not that kind of receiver. But he's got the speed, he's got great hands. Um, what I like about him is his route running. When you see Jonah Pinocchi play, he looks unlike any of the, and I'm including Zion Bowens in this. Some of those receptions where he's just cutting and getting wide open, and it's just mm, he's right. and maybe because it's the run and shoot concepts, but. It's just like I'm watching a different player out there when Pinocchio is healthy. He was one of the few receivers that saw good production when Joey Yellen was a starting quarterback for us. 
if you remember the beginning of the year with Vanderbilt and uh, Western Kentucky, he was seemed to be tried the to, number I one guy for remember. for Yellen. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, we tried not to remember those games. Oh yes. <laughs> hey, but you know what? Now we get to start our season next year against Vanderbilt. See where we how we've grown. Yes. And their quarterback, I think, entered the transfer portal. Isn't that right, Tanner? Nick yeah. Wright, I believe. Yeah, he entered the transfer portal, but he ended the season uh, not as the starter. Oh, okay. So we're going to see okay. the guy who came in for him uh, in the second half, who he isn't the runner that Mike Wright was. Mike Wright. He wasn't the runner that he was, but he is a Mike better Wright. passer. So that's going to be interesting to see when we go to Vanderbilt uh, in week zero next year. All right. All right, and uh, those were our headlines. We didn't really get to many. We got onto the recruiting, but thank you, Tanner. Thank you, Tanner, for the input. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. Bob Coolin is going to be joining us next for a few minutes on ESPN Honolulu. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been I'm hoping that you dropped so in. Very nice. I'll hold your hands. They're just like my mine. mother will start to beautiful. What's your my father will be pacing politically, the politically incorrect song that we're playing here. This is ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. We haven't gotten into the uh, NBA yet, and I know this would probably bother Chris to hear this stat, but two of the hotter teams in the NBA right now are the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks. And the Brooklyn Nets, who uh, Chris is definitely not a fan of, I am, uh, six in a row, and I believe 13 out of 15, they have now won fourth best record in the Eastern Conference and only, uh, I believe, three games out of first place in the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant has been on an incredible tear of late. Uh, Kyrie Irving, like him or not, 38 points yesterday in a game-winning three a couple games earlier. Durant had 43-26 in one quarter. This team, I think, is starting to gel, and it's kind of a coincidence, or maybe not, that it started after Steve Nash was let go. And I remember saying it from the day Steve Nash got hired that I don't think that was going to work out, and it didn't. I don't think he deserves all the blame, but it, well, he just wasn't in the right position. I don't think he deserved the job just because he wanted it. But within what the Nets have gone through all year long with Kyrie and you know the suspension recently and Durant wanting to be out, I'll bet there's somebody at ESPN slash ABC who is really wishing they had him on the Christmas Day schedule. Because I guess at the time they made the schedule, they figured no no Kyrie, definitely no Durant. Why include them on Christmas Day, especially from that market? And they are not on Christmas Day, but they are definitely one of the teams you want to watch, especially in the second half of the season. They are playing excellent basketball right now. All right. <laughs> so what you got to say about that? I'm not into the NBA yet. I've, I'll, talk to me on uh, December 26th. So next Monday we can talk about this. Yeah, no, you can talk about it. I just don't have much to say. They play so many games that it's tough to get. It's tough. No, no, there's a lot of people who are into it. So don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, as far as my interest goes, maybe it's because the uh, Miami Heat isn't that good. Well, they've been hot too. They've been one of the hottest oh, lately teams they've been in the hot? NBA. Yeah, they've been, I believe, five or six in a row. I think six out of seven. They're over 500 for the first time, maybe all year, or since uh-huh. maybe early the season. I know that's not much. From where they were, though, they've been really hot of late. Oh, uh, okay. So, so I know you. Li- I know you'd like that part, and I like Miami too. Yeah. They've been playing better basketball. But they, you know what? They should be better. 
than 500. They really should be. Yes. That's a disappointment. But aren't there several teams that should be better than 500, like the L.A. Lakers, the Golden State Warriors? They should be better Not than the 500. L.A. Lakers. You knew the L.A. Lakers were going to suffer. I knew they wouldn't Although, be one of the better teams in the West. There's no excuse for them being under 500. When you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, when he does play, because he'll be out for a few weeks, of course, uh, when you have those guys and Russell Westbrook, who's actually playing really well, they should be at least 500. There's no excuse for that. I mean, LeBron James didn't have a lot of help on Cleveland. They were at least 500 most of the time, if not over. So I think I one of the one of the you know, it's time for Greg Popovich to retire. Look how bad the Spurs are. They're just bad. They are it's a bad basketball team. Again, how after Tim Duncan left, what have they done? Well, you're going to say then Phil Jackson wasn't a good coach. What did he do after Kobe left? After Jordan left? Well, he was on he the didn't Bulls coach. anymore. He didn't coach, right? But when he, when he, in other words, when he, he only won when he had the greatest players of all time on his team. You can say that right. about yeah, a lot of coaches. And it could be, and it could be, uh, it could be right. It could be right, but we don't know because did he even coach after Kobe left? Did he um, coach after uh, after uh, the Chicago Bulls? No, well, when not, Jordan not retired. What? He didn't coach in Chicago, but he coached after the Bulls. Yeah, he coached the Lakers. Right, right, but what I'm getting at, did he coach without Jordan? Did he coach the Bulls without Jordan? For two years in between the baseball deal, yeah. Mm, But, I mean, going back to Popovich, nobody in their right mind should think he's not considered one of the best coaches of all time. Uh, He is. He is, sure. He is, okay. He is. He brought yeah. some people the wrong way. I understand that, too. I love him. But, again, he's, he's been very successful. But right now, yeah, I, I kind of hope he retires, too, because it takes a little away from him if you're having these teams that are lottery teams. Now, two years, well, last year they were in the play-in tournament, uh, and they didn't win in that. But they're not, you know, they just don't have much talent on their team. They weren't able to rebuild that or reload it. And, and they are, again, it's a roster. I'm looking at them last night, and I only recognize, like, three or four names. Uh they playing 14 guys. They've been struggling, of course. But he still, I think, is one of the great coaches. But I think he, I'm hoping he does retire. I know he's had some health issues this year. Where he took a few games off as well. And, again, going back to the Lakers real fast, Anthony Davis now out again. I mean, it's like clockwork. And I feel yeah. bad. I like Anthony Davis. He's a really, really good player. His injuries have kept him down as far as being considered one of the greatest. And he probably, I'm, I'm not, I would say he's headed to a Hall of Fame career. But because of the injuries, he hasn't able to, been able to play complete seasons which, you know, when, when all is said and done, yeah, he won a championship with the Lakers, and he was great when he played, but he missed so much time. And I, I, I feel bad. I, I guess injury prone would be a label for him. And it's a foot injury. First they say it was foot discomfort on Friday night. Not going to return. Then you hear he's going to be out multiple weeks. And, you know, the Lakers were at times playing better. I mean, they had a good game last week, a couple of good games, but they're just not really going anywhere. They're going to make a move, it appears, one way or the other. But Anthony Davis, just not healthy, doesn't help their situation at all. Okay, what happened, since we're talking about the NBA, what happened the other day with the Grizzlies, Ja Morant? He got, okay, okay, so he swore. He didn't swear at the referee, he says. He just swore. And the referee heard him swear because he was complaining about a foul. But he wasn't swearing at the referee or to the referee. He swore in the presence of a referee. So. So he gets a technical for that, and they thought, I get the wording was, he undermined the official by doing that, even though he didn't say it to the ref, at the ref, but he undermined the official. That's what one of the lead officials or the NBA office said about that. Okay, one because peck. He complained about a, he complained about a call. I know, so but because, because... Because he used a bad word? 
people complain about calls after every trip to the, down the floor. Yep. If if you if you under if that's undermining the ref, then Luka Doncic would be kicked out of every single game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so true. he but, got but hit in the face. It. He got I got hit in the bleeping face. Yep. So. And- it's because he used a bad word. That's but that was just the one under, tech. That, but that's not undermining to me. Well, that, okay, that's what they said. Like I, like I said in the first hour, I think sometimes officials will make a call. They don't want to back off and admit they were wrong. So right. they're just going to stick with it. So they're going to come up with something to justify the tech. I, I agree with you. It shouldn't be a tech if you if that's what happened. And when you watched a video of that, it didn't seem like he was that upset or even looking at the referee necessarily. And then he starts talking to a fan courtside. And the referee called another tech, saying again. I think the wording on that was again that he undermined the official, but he was he was talking to a fan. It wasn't like it was a the integrity. Exchange. Question yeah. the integrity is what you're looking for. It wasn't a, a, a bad exchange where it was like Draymond Green and a fan. And it, when John Morant got kicked out after he went cra- not really went crazy, he was just stunned as he was walking off the court. He looked at the fan, he gave the thumbs up, said yeah. "I got you," and gave the heart sign. Right, because they were probably he was probably complaining about the refs to the fan. You can't compare that to uh, uh, Draymond Green. The fan exactly. was heckling him. The fan wasn't heckling John Morant. Right, that's what I mean. They should, he didn't right. So it. what he did is, is I've never heard of this before. John Morant's dad is in the uh, is in the stands, and Draymond uh, not Draymond Jaw is uh, tossed out. So he's in the locker room. So he calls his dad's cell. He goes. Give your cell phone to those guys. And so he's talking to those fans on his cell phone again, thanking them for supporting him. That's so cool. That is great. And that was on the road, remember. That was in OKC. So the fact that he did that, yeah, I mean, I felt, I'm surprised John Moran composed himself as much as he did. Because you get ejected for something like that totally undeserved the way it appeared. And yeah. he was more stunned than angry at the ref. I, I mean, if that was Draymond Green for ejection, he would have gone after the ref and tried to hit him. For something like that. A lot of players would have been that upset. I mean, he kind of was just stunned and laughed it off almost, which I give him credit for. One of his quotes was, "Another." Uh, he goes, I got my first tech saying I got hit in the blank face. He said, I didn't curse at him. So he says, another situation where he's in my conversation and I get another tech talking with a fan. So it's what I just said, right? He's complaining, hey, look at these refs. Uh, this guy needs glasses. And then they tee him up again. He goes, I feel like when these fans came here, they went online to buy these tickets. They didn't say Ray Acosta's name to come watch. That's the ref. I feel like they're not really here to watch the ref, but the ref is making it about him. You see what he's talking about there? It's all about the ref and his ego and whatever. That's what happened here. Right. The famous one is when Charles Barkley played for Philadelphia and he got called for a tech. He told the refs, these fans didn't pay good money to see Mo, Larry, and Curly, and then he got ejected for saying that. <laughs> now, the other thing that happened with the referee doing something pretty bad was Dallas and your guy, Luca. He was yelling at a teammate after a play over the weekend, and the ref called a technical on Luca, thinking that he was yelling at the official. And you can see in the video oh, he wasn't looking at before. the ref. I hate that. That's happened before. And Luca was not as calm as John Morant because he was pointing. I'm talking to him. I'm talking to him. I was talking to him. He wasn't looking at a ref. The ref heard it and figured it had to be him, and he didn't want to change his call and admitted he was wrong. So Luca gets the ticket. I hope that gets rescinded. Even with John Morant, I hope it gets rescinded. Well, it depends what he says. I mean, if he was, um, if he was talking Luke- stink about the ref within earshot, then 
you know, it seems that those things get called. But he was talking to his teammate about a blown play or blown assignment, it looked like. Ah. The way he was talking to the teammate, it wasn't going to be about the ref in that situation. So I, I doubt if it was about the ref. But I know what you mean by that. But that's when refs screw up. And, again, they'll, they'll never change that tech. They're not going to get, I've never seen a ref call it tech and ever change it. They don't go to review on that like some other plays. So they're just going to give it. And sometimes the NBA office does rescind the text because they were done in error. You know, and I think that other te- – maybe you're not going to review it, but why wouldn't you an- – another referee actually come in and go, hey, Bob, I think you were wrong. I was right there. He didn't say it to you. Right. I, I think they protect each other, and, again, they don't want to acknowledge after something like that that they made a mistake, so they just never do. But you're right. You In a perfect world, then what's wrong with that? What's wrong with admitting you made a mistake? It happens with replay when they make a bad call. Uh, but So why not if you make a bad call on a tech? It's okay you're to talk- say, I thought he was talking to me, and I was wrong. So the uh, Dallas Mavericks are playing OKC when this happened, and you should see the look on, I don't know who it is, maybe it's uh, Gilgis Alexander or somebody. But they are just as shocked. The OKC team was just as shocked as uh, as the Dallas team on that tech. It was funny. Both these games were against here. OKC for John Morant and Luca. All right, it's eight thirty three with the sports animals. Got another uh, surf update coming up in a moment here. You can join uh, Josh Pacheco for the coaches versus cancer Powhana party. It's happening tomorrow mm-hmm. at the Connie Capilla Grill. Josh will be broadcasting live, so come on out and support the cause. Talk story with Ron Gannat and other participating coaches from the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. You can get your tickets at hawaiibowlfoundation.org and uh, have some fun and support a great cause at the same time. We'll be right back. Man, I can't wait for the uh, draft talk to start. And I guess it starts after uh, NFL draft talk. It would start after uh, the college football playoffs is, uh, you know, where college football uh, would continue. And uh, Gary was just mentioning off the air that there's uh, the quarterback for TCU is going to declare for the NFL draft, but he is uh, uh, still going to play in the bowl game. I would think that that's a no-brainer because – it's not a meaningless bowl game. It's the college football playoff championships. You have a chance to win the national championship and be a national champion. I don't think those guys bail. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's anybody on any of those four teams that have, I can't recall any, but there's just a lot of players. Again, because, I mean, I love bowl games. I just don't think they mean anything, win or lose. And that's why more and more and more you're seeing guys not go to the bowl game and get ready for the NFL draft. So, yeah, even though Dugan is in the playoffs, it makes more sense. Um, That's just one of the things about the bowl game. I mean, look at Florida. Florida played, I think, Oregon State over the weekend, got destroyed 30-3. to But they didn't have Anthony Richardson. And I'm not faulting him for not playing in the game because he's going into the NFL draft. He decided not right. to. That's an example. He's supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks coming out. But he's a top just, five. He's yeah, a top that five. That just shows how and the game. That makes sense. It's just not worth you know the what? risk. 
but I like Bryce Young, who's decided to play. Now, yes. he's not playing in the college football playoff championships. Some people say that he is going to be the first player taken overall. Others, and poor guy, go to the Houston Texans. But other guys are saying maybe C.J. Stroud. But at the same time, he might be doing it, number one, because he wants to play for Alabama. Tua Tonga-Vailoa did the same thing. Or number two, he wants to improve his draft stock to make sure he's the number one guy overall. But I don't think for a guy like that, he can improve his stock that much. He's already won a Heisman. And right. you don't want to get you definitely don't want to get hurt because that'll okay, screw up a being lot. Being a Heisman Trophy winner means nothing in the NFL draft. So take that out your mouth, right? Well, I think it means something, but no, I know it doesn't mean. mean anything sure at all. It, does. it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Robert Griffin III won the Heisman. I mean, he got drafted pretty early. Well, he got drafted number was it number two overall because he had a great career at Baylor. I mean, he could pass, he could he could run, he could kick, he could throw. Just give him the ball and look at him go. What I'm saying is he got drafted because he was a great college football quarterback. There are a lot of Heisman Trophy winners who are not picked number one or number two overall. Now, lately, the Heisman Trophy has become a quarterback award, so that's why these guys are going to be picked high, but not for the mere fact that they won the Heisman Trophy. Let's look at somebody like Josh Allen, who's arguably one of the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes, probably win the MVP this year. Let's look at Jalen Hurts. You see where I'm going? Yeah, I'm not talking the about Heisman how they do it in the pro. The NFL pro the Heisman Trophy doesn't translate to NFL success. Sure. In fact, give me five quarterbacks right now off the top of your head in the last few years who've won the Heisman and went on to greatness in the NFL. Okay, before I answer that, again, that wasn't my point. My point was they get drafted, and it helps that they won a Heisman, like a Bryce Young. I'm not saying how they do in the NFL, because I, I never would say that All the right. Heisman Trophy winners have done very well. A lot of but them I don't think... I don't think scouts go, oh, mark him up a notch. He won the Heisman Trophy. Well, it 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 goes hand-in-hand with having a great season. The reason when Robert Griffin had the great year that you mentioned, he won the Heisman. It goes hand-in-hand. Right. Okay, so now tell me in the last few years, give me five quarterbacks who won the Heisman Trophy and have done well. Johnny Manziel had an unbelievable Marcus Mariota, Johnny Manziel, you see where this is going? Yeah. But that wasn't my point, though, so I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Okay, but I'm, I'm saying just they saying get no, drafted but, pretty high. But what you said, what you said was that they won the Heisman, so that moves them up. Not that they won the Heisman; they won because they had good seasons. Now, it's um, when you look at somebody like Jalen Carter. I mean, a lot of these guys who were expected to go. Jalen Carter is a defensive tackle from Georgia. A lot of these guys who are going to be picked early in the draft are being picked early in the draft because they play at the highest level. So a lot of these guys are playing in the college football national championship tournament. They're playing in the CFP playoffs. When you look at Will Anderson, um, C.J. Stroud, uh, I'm just going to scroll down some guys. Well, Anderson's not, the not in, the, from Texas. in the playoffs. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're Stroud right. Is, but, he's still, but he's still playing in his game. No, Ohio State has a receiver who bowed out to get ready for the draft, but he was hurt half the year, and I, Tanner would probably know his name. So, but that's what's right. Guy he's who not did a the star player. receiver. He's he was not one a of their star starters receiver. before he, he got hurt. He might be somebody like George Pickens, who uh, maybe will go later because he hasn't played much. But again, and maybe that you know might be a steal. This is not a strong draft for wide receivers. It's just not. I'll, I'll trust you on that. 
But but, but, the, but the point is, well, this, you know, the, I follow it. That's why. Yeah, but the, but I'm saying there's a guy at Ohio State who's going, he's not going to play in the bowl game, and I don't know. If, I don't think he's hurt now, but he's been hurt throughout the season. hasn't played a ton, so I think he just wants to get ready for the NFL draft. And I I, I agree that's rare because usually if you're in the playoffs, you're probably going to play. And I give Bryce Young a lot of credit too because a lot of guys in his position would not play in the bowl game. We're just seeing yeah. more and more of that every year. That's right on. All right, uh, let's go to the uh, text line, 808-296-1420. Somebody wants to know if Trevor Lawrence won. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, um, that was incredible. I mean, they won he, on an immaculate reception. He fumbled the ball late in the fourth quarter when they were going for the tie, and I thought that was the game. I actually switched back um, to the other game going on TV, and I'm forgetting who that was. That was the Kansas City-Houston game. I figured Jacksonville was done already. And then you find out later they go to overtime and the rest is history. But, yeah, got, they've been playing well lately. Again, only a game out of the playoffs. He's had really impressive numbers the last five or six games. Yeah, I got a text from the 787 area code. Uh, we're talking about a great Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, Troy Smith. Thank you very much for that. Let's see. Aloha Josh Ortua. I don't understand what that means. Aloha Josh Ortua. Josh Ortua for MVP? Josh Ortua for non-winning Heisman, Heisman Trophy? Well, two of the, none of them are the Heisman either, so that's right. what he means. Yeah, look at the great success Kyler Murray's having, huh? Right, right. All right, uh, we're talking about UH football, and um, someone said here that, uh, oh, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina by Lloyd Webber and sung by Madonna was a number one hit. Well, number one on what chart? That's what I want to know. Billboard, it wasn't a number one hit. Uh, Nishigaya and Fiso were injured, so Chong, oh, Chang, he means, played them only four games, so they qualified for a red shirt. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you very much. And look, I'm not putting down any of these receivers. I'm thankful to, to have them all. And, w- and when you look at um, the University of Hawaii receivers they don't have one dominant guy i wish that pinocchi was that guy because i think he can be but even zion bowens wasn't a dominant guy right when you got 35 receptions for four touchdowns you weren't dominant and that's just i guess the offense that we have but he also he missed a whole bunch of games too he missed probably like five or six games oh really yeah he got hurt in the game one uh-huh. and they didn't come back until i think new mexico state or san diego state one of those two Right, but still, I mean, not a dominant no, guy no, no, at no. four hundred something yards uh, no. in receptions, and that's okay, as long as we get the the job done. You know, you spread out the ball; that's kind of cool. He was good for one or two twenty-five, thirty-yard uh, receptions a game, and some of those ended up in really fantastic, uh, spectacular touchdowns. I thought so. It was at least, I mean, such a different game when he was in the game than it was without him. They didn't have that deep passing game when he was out. Pinocchi was out, and Bowens was out, and it didn't come back until, again, Bowens came, uh, Zion Bowens came back first. Pinocchi just came back, I think, the last game or two. Yeah, but Pinocchi wasn't a, a guy that you're throwing, you know, you got a wheel route 50 yards down the field. He's, he's, he, I don't think he ever had one of those plays. But, you know, he'll catch a, you know, first down. And he's not, I'm not calling him a possession receiver. Mm. But he wasn't the, he wasn't the, the guy that Zion, I mean, Zion Bowens ran like 30 miles an hour. What, what, I know it wasn't 30, but I mean, it was, he, he was, he was so fast. Right, right. Now, you said Nick Mardner, who was with the University of Hawaii, he transferred out from Todd Graham's team to go to Cincinnati. He didn't play much, uh, as we documented earlier. He's just a handful of receptions all year. 
And um, you said that he's definitely in the transfer portal? He's in the transfer portal, yeah. That was announced about a week or two ago. I wonder if he's going to want to come back to Hawaii. (laughs) I think a lot of people are wondering that. Just again, because the the rumors were, and he was here for Island Day for the spring game back in April, but there were rumors that he was inquiring about coming back. I don't know how accurate or how deep far that went, but he was here on campus at least. So that maybe that shows a little something. Yeah. I mean, I think somebody else is going to pick him up. I mean, if he wants to come to Hawaii, great. But I think you're going to have some pretty good programs just because he's six six, right? Right, yeah. Just because you're if you're seven feet tall, you're going to play college basketball. It might not be division one, maybe it's division two or three or something. I don't know how many seven footers division three teams have. But if you're seven feet, you're going to play. Do you know why? Because you're seven feet. <laughs> yes. If yes. you're six six and I don't know, Martiner's fine. I used to see him after practice. You know, he was one of those stay late guys working on routes and things like that. So, I mean, Martin, he'll get picked up by somebody. Yeah, he will. I mean, I don't think he'll have a problem finding a school. Just that I think he would probably help for Hawaii next year. If you have a guy like that coming back, I think that would be good. That would be, that would be a bonus for the team. It would be a benefit for the team. It would really help them. But I don't, I don't oh. know where that stands right now. All right. It's 849. We're the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. Uh, tonight, Monday Night Football fans, head on down to uh, Dixie Grill in IAEA. It's the Rams and the, oh, I forgot already. Green Bay Packers. Packers and the Rams at Dixie Grill in IAEA. You can get 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. Free popcorn, great Southern-inspired type poo-poo. Gary loves their cheeseburger. Oh, and That's yeah. kind of universal. Uh, then from 7 to 9, you can win lots of prizes because it's Trivia Night, which is becoming very popular, and it's hosted by Geeks Who Drink. <laughs> Sounds like a fun time. Monday <laughs> nights, Dixie Grill in IAEA. Put some South in your mouth. Dressed up like Eskimo. Did he say our microphones are on? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you know what? We got a couple of minutes. Let's give away some tickets to the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. This is for day and night sessions. And uh, you can call in right now and be the second caller. Caller number two at 808-296-1420. As you're dialing in, I have not had a chance. I have had a chance to bash. Um, I didn't really bash the new the Brooklyn Nets yet because they've won like nine out of their last ten games. So I'll leave that one alone. I did get a chance to bash, um, what's his name, uh, the Spurs coach. He's really bad. Greg Popovich. Greatest, yeah, Greg one Popovich. One of the coaches ever in history. But you know what? We haven't um, we haven't talked bad about the Jets. I feel bad for the Jets, and I feel bad for Robert Sala, because here you were. What was their record? One lost three games in a row. There was seven and four, something like yeah, that. They're se- yeah, they're seven and seven now. Seven and seven now. It's um, you know it's kind of hurt to be a Jets fan because you mu- you can't stop help thinking. Oh, here we go again. It was like they had a Jeremy Lin type run in the beginning of the season. And now we're seeing the actual Jets. Not really, and I said it back then. Look at the teams they had beaten in that Jeremy Lin run. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Denver. Uh, there was Pittsburgh? One other, yeah, Pittsburgh's pretty bad horrible. Team. That's Pittsburgh my point. Can't, they didn't beat they anybody good. They oh, beat I see. Denver, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, all on the road, by the way. And there was one. They beat Miami without Tua or Bridgewater. Uh-huh. So you look at some of those when there was one other against a really weak opponent. So they didn't beat anybody significant. I knew they would come back down to earth. I picked Detroit to beat them yesterday in our pigskin picks. 
And I thought that I thought Detroit could make the playoff, but the, yeah, the Jets. I'm not. It's not hard to be a Jets fan now because at least they're losing. They'll get a better draft pick. They will go nowhere anyway. So at least they're going in the right direction as far as the future is concerned. Yeah, and nothing to be ashamed of. They've lost to the Ravens. They've lost to the Bengals. They've lost uh, twice to the Patriots, Vikings, Bills. I mean, you do have the Jags, and they're definitely hot. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that Doug Peterson would be coach of the year type of uh, material, but he's done a great job. If they make the playoffs, with, he would be coach. maybe considered. I don't know. I think you look at uh, Sirianni uh, from mm, the Eagles. Sure. That's a guy that you might yeah. look at, not just somebody just making it. Because I'd give it to Dan Campbell right now if they make yeah. the playoffs. Right. All right, that's going to do it for us. Coming up on ESPN Honolulu, let's talk sports at uh, 12 noon and Josh Pacheco at 3 o'clock. We'll see you tomorrow morning on ESPN Honolulu.